When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and all those things and we meshed well and it was awesome it was great great talks um you know first thought was let's keep improving <laughs> you know um improve improve our standards just just everything that we do you know our process and everything we do is just focus on improvement coffee and cream in the morning on hail varsity radio powered by currency alongside damon benning andrew rogers and we are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Good morning, everybody out there. It is not as icy as I thought it was going to be when I hit the road this morning. I know we had some talks about uh, are we going to need to do a so-called best of show because of the ice. And it was it was pretty bad last night. I, I took my, uh, my car up to Hale Varsity Club, where we are right now, to play music bingo. And as I was driving into the parking lot from behind Costco, which is this road over here. How do you say that again? I don't know what this road is no, called. No, what was the name of the place you went to? Hale Varsity Club. No, the behind where what store was? What place? Costco? 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 Costco. What, do you say Costco? I don't know. I just was trying to <laughs> I was just trying to understand what you said. I'm not Shane over here, DB. Come on. <laughs> so I'm driving my car in, and I started skid. And there were two cars trying to turn out, and my car just wasn't stopping. So I had to get back on the road, keep driving before I could pop a UE somewhere, come back, and make my way here. So uh, there was... A little bit of concern there as I was driving in this morning, but I got to say, you know, the salt trucks did a nice job. Yeah, street crew went to work. I, I think it helped because it was uh, my daughter, Miller North, my, they, they had a district game last night, and so they played at six, and there was a lot of consternation. Who was going? Who was not going? We take Zoe out, whatever. I went solo. Um, Caleb wasn't done with practice yet, and it wasn't great. wasn't great. Slid around just a smidge, right? Um, And then coming out, I saw so many people fall. Like, it felt bad. Like, there there was some serious slippage going on because it didn't look like much. And your boy was out on the back deck because this was early. This is probably 4.15, and I went to go let the – the pups out? Yeah, the dog's out. And I had on my Nike slides and lost one of them as I hit the back, my backside. I mean, straight to the to the wood deck. Oh, I don't know. I, and I was like, wow, didn't see that coming. I don't know. So you kind of look around to see who saw you as I laid there for a second. But I should have known better because I watched Buddha, who's a nut job, just slide his little behind right off the porch. Did you see Robbie's fall? I did Twitter? not. I did not. Oh, I, he hit his head on the back of the concrete. Wait, our Ravi? Like yes, oh. like Lula? Yes. Are you sure? I'm sure. So, I'm so Ravi just down. bust his rear end. I'm pretty sure. Who filmed it? 
I think it was on a ring doorbell. Maybe it wasn't him. Maybe he just tweeted it. Oh, maybe he just tweeted it. Um, so right here. No, different Robbie. Okay. Oh, that's Lincoln East Robbie. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, he's just mining his. That's kind of mm-hmm. how the back deck went, mm-hmm. except I was fortunate because I was on I the big flat watching. part where there were no stairs because I for sure would have hit my noggin. I mean, it's big enough and oblong shape as is. Like, I would have. And, you know, you practice falling. A lot of times you learn how to take hits just from being in the gym and stuff like boxing where you don't resist when to give resistance what not to give resistance when the tense up yeah i think i know how to fall but when it's uncontrollable all bets are off man that that uh was not that did not look good he's lucky mm-hmm. to be okay yeah well it looked like it was a step he's, down. He's a good dude, too. He coaches at, at Lincoln East and he, interacts with it, the show. Smacked his head on the back of the cement. How about how casual he was just moving? Because you really couldn't tell early. Because Micah's coach called and he said, hey, he's like, DB, what are the roads like outside? And I had just gotten uh, uh, Micah from school, and I was like, oh, they're okay. You know, it's like not too bad. Um because I didn't have to wipe my windshield or anything because my car was never sits outside, really, unless I'm here. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a, a good gauge. I said, the streets are fine. I said, my, the temp on my car only says 27, though. And at that time, it was like 3.15, 3.30. So I was like, I imagine by 7 when they're coming out of practice, it could be hectic because I had gotten a couple of robo-dials from schools that they were recommending caution for activity events and they'd close the activity events at zoe school but it's not a district 66 thing even though the elementary school is right across the street from the high school so i didn't i knew the high schools weren't all in all canceling activities but you did get the sense and they're in school today oh yeah 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 i thought they may get a late start but you're right the cruise either the weather didn't do what it was supposed to do the street crews were amazing which or maybe a little bit of Mm -hmm. both Right, because coming here, I was expecting much worse. Now, you can see black ice, though, so don't kid yourself. There are some spots where you're like, eh, Yeah, it's not all covered up. You may, you, may, you, you may want to take that turn a little easy. But Shane said he got here just fine. So I was like, you know, if Shane didn't have any problems. Yeah, if Shane could toodle around in that speeder, car, we're good. When I got here, our guy was out in the lot. Uh, Listen, I don't know who they hired. Was it you or our guy? Our guy. <laughs> wow. It's doppelganger. Okay. I don't know the company that they that the strip mall hired for, because I assume they have the whole retail area, not just Hale Varsity. Mm-hmm. Although I could see Bill being particular and just hey, make sure we're good. But the, it's a little un- extra salt on our side. It's, please. And they just salted again. It's unbelievable how quickly they do this plaza. It was slippery walking into HVC last night. I mean, it's unbelievable. Every time we come here, they're already out here mm-hmm. getting started. Shane said they started at like four thirty, four forty-five that one morning. So it's like I don't know whatever that company is is they is have their head screwed on straight. Pretty good because they get after it. Another program that has their head screwed on straight is Nebraska. As more coaches headed to the podium yesterday, and we got to hear from three. First was Corey Campbell, at least in the pecking order that I went and watched him back. Donovan Rayola as well, and uh, Rob Dvorak. And 
I want to ask you this first before we dive into this, DB. Did you take away anything in particular from one of the three? Like, is there something that stuck out to you most over anything? Yeah, so I think the overarching theme, or is it arcing? I don't know. It's a cinematic term, right? When you when you play like character character development, I think the the big takeaway for me was the reverence they have for their head coach. It's like the relationships, the teaching I grew up under. He taught me our relationships. Like I felt like that was kind of a reoccurring theme. It was like the familiarity to know what somebody wants when you accept or take or offered a job and the level of, of comfort that you have knowing what you're getting. That's kind of, you know, maybe that's a little too flowery, but I was like, oh, they really like this guy. They really, uh, they really consider it an honor to come work. And I just think it's interesting. And I, and I now take, and I should have then, but you never know. I mean, because it's day one of meeting a, a, a coach. And I remember Coach Satterfield, the very first day he came to Westside, he came on kind of a humbug. Like, and it was this, and it was the first of two times that they tag team, that two different, actually the first of three times that two different coaches came in the same day, and it was by design. Although I think the last one it was, I'm not going to let Minnesota have the last visit. I'm going to swing in too. But he said, we we just talking about. Because he's a really good conversationalist. So we just got to talk. I was asking him all sort of, hey, man. I was getting a little too personal for day one meeting, but whatever. You I, he know. just Well, he just made me seem like we were friends. So I just. Best friends. So I just. No, this is Coach Satterfield. This isn't Coach Rule. <laughs> I know. No, I'm, this is a part of the best friend. I, 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 no, I'm not. You're still at, you're still at the top of the you're still at the top of oh, the I'm at, I'm at the top of the food chain. Yeah, it's close though. I don't know. The rule is a lion. I'm pretty much a gazelle <laughs> over here. So where's where's Eric Thomas when I need him? Shane, the lion and the gazelle, the lion. That's a great. It's a great uh, motivational speak that ET gives. But um, maybe I can be cocaine bear. And he and he talked about leave, the leaving the SEC in South Carolina. And Coach Rule and he. And now I, I fully believe him. Before it could have been like, ah, man, he's just telling me a funny story. But my guy was like, you know, they had just finished the eight, the beaten, was it Clemson? Yeah, I think it was Clemson. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, we're wanting to celebrate. And he goes, I saw the phone ring, and I didn't get it the first time. And it rang again about 15 minutes later. And he's like, oh, man, I know what this guy wants. And, I, and I'm listening, right? <laughs> And I said, so you are just coming off a couple of good wins. You, you, you've, you're playing well. Your offense is coming around. You're in the SEC. And he goes, oh. He goes, let me just tell you, when we get, a lo- when we get away from each other for too long, we need to circle back and, and, and come back to work together again. And Because I get a little out of sorts. And he's the guy. That when he says, "Hey, come with me," I would gladly take a pay cut for. That's that's darn near verbatim, I, and I won't forget that because immediately, you know, my dumb butt, I'm immediately thinking, "Well, who would I do that for?" Mm-hmm. There's only a handful of people that I would be like, "Okay, 
What do you need? When do I need to be there? And he said he didn't bat an eye at it. So when he called him, or now this is kind of the story. He says when they ended up talking, he's like, I already know what you want. Where, where do I need to be? Like, seriously, is it to go see a recruiter? You want me to come straight to Lincoln? Like, And so that kind of sowed the seed. And then I'm listening to these guys as he's going to get them. And some took a little more time. The only one that seems like it was a little out of kind of sequential order was maybe Rayola because I do know that that took a little, like they had to get together and maybe McGuire. It seems. Everybody else just seems like it was super smooth. They knew they knew Dvorak for a while, right? That was mm-hmm. the one that people thought like leaked as a defensive coordinator. It, Tony White was a little out of order too. Yeah, See, Tony White was a little out. Of yeah, order. I would say I would say he's so up there those in that three. Um, even though I think with with McGuire, it could have been because it was and Dvorak, it was Carolina employed related, and they maybe foresaw could foresee a little stickiness with acquiring that staff ahead of time with the situation that Matt Rule was in. Mm-hmm. But that was the theme for me, man. It was like, we want to work for this guy. We believe in him. Man, you know, you, you get me thinking about taking a pay cut before I give my thoughts, because I got a couple of things here. But taking a pay cut, how much does your life change? We're just going to toss around two digits here. $1.25 million and $1 million is $250,000 a lot to somebody that makes over a million dollars. I don't know. I don't make a million dollars. Oh, it just um, depends. You know how what I look at that like? Because I, I look at that from where I sit at, and I'm like, that's not a pay cut. You're still making a million dollars. But I, to but them, I, it's probably but he did alter but remember he But remember, he didn't know his salary then. Right. He didn't. He had no idea. Right. He's, like, he's just saying, I would have taken a pay cut. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... Because he had yeah, no and idea. I'm not settling on that hill. Like, oh, he he knew he was going yeah, to because, have to take a pay because Sat is being paid extremely well. Actually, tops all of that food chain uh, in in Lincoln in terms of assistance. So you know the difference if you want like an analogy. So all the little home projects and stuff you did in your house that you waited for your family to do. You know your handy brother and WWBD, right? What would what what did Barry do? Um, <laughs> All those projects, that's the difference. So the 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 two hundred the extra two hundred thousand, which is really about probably one ten after Uncle Sam does his thing, you take that hundred and ten thousand and you're like, Okay, what does the house need that we bought since it probably wasn't perfect? Mm-hmm. Am I swapping out the countertops to do do I want new <laughs> do I want new landscaping? Am I putting in, you know, the hot tub? that's the if you're looking at mm-hmm. what you would do, that's basically the difference in renovations in the house that you find. Oh, I like that house on hole number four, but man, I don't like that kitchen. But hey, before I move, let's just redo that kitchen. We cool? Hey, that's going to be about 70K in total. Oh, okay. That's the difference in the Right. You know what I mean? No, I'm with you. I just, whenever I think about big numbers like that, despite him not knowing what number he was going to get, it's so hard for me to, you know, be a part of that conversation because I don't I know. know what that conversation I feels know. like. For us, it would be like, okay, you have an extra $4,000. Right. And you're thinking, 
Gosh, after taxes, twenty two hundred, maybe yeah. that's yeah. You're that's, talking that's, the difference that's three fifty five k and fifty k. That's it's like I'll <laughs> I'll move with my person that, for fifty k though. That's the different. That's a couple of extra hotels during summer mm-hmm. basketball travel that or is. something stupid like that. Hey, I'll tell you what though. What I took away to most from this, and what I was most eager to hear was Donovan Rayola talk and see if he spoke like Matt Rule's guys ah. speak. And Had I, he been indoctrinated enough yet? And I didn't get that at all from him. And and it may it's okay that I that he doesn't talk like Garrett McGuire talks or Evan Cooper talks or Marcus Satterfield talks. It's okay that he doesn't. But it was a little weird hearing him at the podium because I don't think the rule gospel has infiltrated into his coaching style just yet. That doesn't mean that the philosophy mm-hmm. hasn't infiltrated, but the speaking portion of that of his job, and that may be him too as a person. Uh, Rayola may not be somebody that is long-winded. You know what I? Th- you know what's funny about that? I'll, I'll take an opportunity to validate your listening skills. I think you're spot on because. One of the things that I've noticed in my brief interactions with Coach Rayola is he is significantly more um, comfortable one-on-one than I think he's – and he's different when he's behind the podium. Mm-hmm. He's very business – because I don't think he enjoys it. I think he just wants to go coach. And it's not that he's not capable. It's very one-word-esque hey, in regards to response. So – it could be a couple of things, and I, this is sometimes I'll say this, and I actually know what it is. I don't. I'm just saying it could be a couple of things. Number one, he knows that he's under the gun a little bit. He could feel a certain way about the Nebraska fan base and the media in general because I think he knows what the perception was of the job that he was doing. He may have felt like the judgment and the criticism was unfair. So he, he may have this competitive kind of vibe to him when he talks. Hey, man, proof is in a pudding. That's basically mm-hmm. what he could be thinking. The other thing is, is he knows that it doesn't matter what we say. I've been here long enough now <laughs> as, as, as in this Nebraska kind of this bubble it doesn't really matter what we say. It's going to be about what we do. So I'm going to give the basics on what it is that we're going to do, and I'm going to keep it pushing. You you know because he doesn't have he doesn't have to impress. And and I said this early, and I think people looked at me sideways, and maybe it was just because it was. And I don't even think it was because it was me because I did. Maybe I gave the impression I had known him longer than I had. But when we were all down there on junior day, and this was before junior day, this wasn't the good junior day on the Sunday. This was bring your. This was under the the previous staff. So you know, Coach Wilhite and Coach Beckton meet us at the door, and and we're just kind of chopping it up. And he and I hadn't really seen him yet, and I thought he was funny. Like he came over, he's kind of telling jokes. He was laughing, you know. He kind of grabbed me and. I was like, ah, you know, you know, big fan, even though the, despite the Wisconsin thing and, you know, loved your, <laughs> loved your brother. And he told a couple of jokes and I told the story. He told me to call him Donnie. 
because I kept saying coach. He said, call me Donnie. He says, I, w- I wouldn't, I don't, I don't introduce you as, as, I wouldn't introduce you as player Benning. <laughs> and I was just like, and I'll never, I, that's one of those things. It just, you know how my mind thinks, right? That, right. I, those titles are different though. <laughs> they are, but see, I'm pragmatic like that. So I was just like, huh. That's a decent point. You're probably right. I still don't know if I would do it, but I got what he was saying, and I thought it was funny. And so we kind of hit it off, and he was one of the ones that kind of, because we're new to this whole thing, and he was kind of the ones, hey, you know, go see um, go see Coach Coach Williams. Um, he's got you this, that, and that, looking forward to. And I was like, oh, that's pretty engaging, a lot different than what I thought I had heard behind the podium. So I don't think you're crazy in – that assessment. That assessment. But I, I but I think it could be for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, you know, you bring up good points about hey, you know, no matter what I say, you guys will probably look at me a little sideways because of last year. But I also do feel like he's just a tough nut to crack. Yeah. Like he and, and you mentioned him being really good in one on ones or alluding to I that. thought he was I thought right? he was good, yeah. Matt Rule wouldn't come out and say that he's never seen never ever seen in his life, after asking all the guys at their position about their coach, that one guy wouldn't say that they loved him. Yeah. And so you'd have to think, just by hearing that, he may not be good in group settings. He may not be good in giving you the answers that you're looking for because uh, I think that involves a little bit of coaching too, whether it's you've been there a lot and you just kind of pick it up as you go or like, no, here's how you answer this question, here's how you answer that question. But an O-line coach doesn't have to talk to the media all too much. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't need uh, to be well-versed in the so-called media language to be able to present what he's doing. He's, he's thinking, no, let's have the on-field product speak for me. And so I kind of liked that he didn't speak like Rule just yet. Because if he did, then I'd almost wonder if it's a cult up there. Like, what is rule starting that he gets a guy that wasn't some one of his guys from the very beginning? Mm-hmm. He retained him as a coach. Now I also kind of think, and you know, maybe this is just my thinking too far into something that rule kept him for maybe twenty twenty four recruiting purposes too. Um, but. It's on the mind. Like, yeah, I'm not saying that it is, but like, you know. Oh, it's it, on it, everybody's mind. Right. But at the end of the day, he went with what the players wanted. So I felt validated because I had heard from, and we'd said this a couple times on the show, and we just kind of rolled over it. And I go, hey, and I said this out loud. I, I Maybe you said it on Bites or on the show. I was like, the players wanted him, and that's plenty good enough for me. No, I, actually, I told that to you. And when I said that, I had only, it was probably, it was, uh, it was three or four of the guys that I knew what were unanimous that I, I had heard with my own ears. And I kind of just took that as the consensus given the players that it was. I was like, ah, you know, these are kind of some of the fellas. I'm sure they're speaking for the masses. And they're like, hey, man, that's the guy we wanted. So that was good enough for me. Right, because I, I, I think that matters and the players know. They know, man. We've seen we've heard about some of the exit interviews and when, you know, Trev pulled some guys in the talk. The players will keep it one hundred if they, if they don't think you're about dead coaching life or not. And 
with 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 Dr. They they're in. We'll set up the show when we come back. We'll also get into some sound from these press conferences next. Stick with us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. The same voice, you know, they're hearing the same voice, the same, the same coaching points over and over and over and over. And, you know, when they get out there, the game's so fast that it just simplifies their thoughts so they can play fast. That's Coach Donovan Rayola, offensive line coach at Nebraska, speaking to why it was important to have him back in this position for these guys mm-hmm. so that it's not a new voice there. And they, I don't remember the exact question that was asked to him, but his response to it was just that of saying hey you know they don't have to listen to somebody new it's it's kind of like rinse and repeat now it's hey let's wash off the dirt of last year get our hands clean for this season and so by hearing that same voice and knowing uh, the direction that they're trying to go it's going to benefit the o-line that's what he was getting at uh in regards to that response which i think is interesting because you know being in year two i also find it to be beneficial to have the same voice. Can you imagine having turnover after turnover just in one year to the other and you're you're a player on the field and you're just thinking as who goes I go. Mm-hmm. I struggled with turnover. Shane, you can speak to this. I struggled with turnover and our and our management staff in my former life and that was after a couple of years of a guy because there's there can be such contrasting styles, right, in terms of what people want to do. But I go back, go back to this though, Andrew. How about remember the presser? It was early, and Coach Rule goes, he says, "Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't subscribe to this. We're not, you know, it's not going to have a good old line line deal. You know, he talked about the scheme and coaching them, playing in a certain way and playing to their strengths and finding the plays that works. And he closed with." We're going to have a good offensive line here. That was early, right? Like, it, it, people looked at him like, oh, you, you mean the same thing that we saw last year? But I remember we would try to make the case that Nebraska was actually improving up front. It didn't seem like much because Anthony Grant, it was tougher and tougher on him and had some – some 25 and 30 and 40 yard games and you're like how are they improving and so what I always tried to do on social media and I I was like it's one of the reasons Vers and I are you know while he'll be a pallbearer at my funeral right like I appreciate he's strong and I I think he appreciates like we just go together I as a running back can help you out and you as an O-lineman can help me out so I, you know how I could make it a lot easier on you? Get to where I'm supposed to be in as little a time as possible. 
Don't cut across defenders' faces. Get downhill. That makes the O-line function better, right? If I remember one time I was at a it's – it's 42 counter sweep, okay? Ace right, 42 counter sweep. The play should be logged, and I get out of round. I thought I saw a crease inside, so I tried to cut it up. The defender played across our tackle's face and made the play underneath. I was kind of just jogging back to the huddle, and our left tackle and our right tackle both said, hey, that's not the design. Hey, enough said. Right? Like, I understand if I just do what I'm supposed to do, and you have to have some creativity. Right. But it does help those guys out. If I'm running an outside run play and I've got a DB being stock blocked by a wide receiver, I don't want to play across his face. I want to stay as close. I want to stay as tight to that wide receiver as I can to give him the best chance to have a good downfield block without a hold. Like those little things, they matter when you're trying to help a struggling offensive line. And so I always would try to point out where I felt like the backs could help out and what I felt like the O-line could do better because they kind of go hand in hand. And I felt like, at least from a snap standpoint, the offensive line was getting better. And he, uh, he likes that they're interchangeable too. That he do, he there, does have some – there's no one that's really dead set on a position right now. Yeah. So you can kind of work through that in spring to figure out, hey, who works better at center? Is it Scott? Is it the guy that we just brought in? Or is it somebody different? You know, you can move so many different pieces around because there are different stances, different movements to every position. And because of that, you have guys that, if injuries do arise, can play in different spots. Shane, play uh, Rayola 3, please. Rayola 3. Uh, just he has a lot of experience playing playing at a high level, um, and you know he's he's doing well. You know since he's been here, um, you know he's he's a smart kid. Um, you know, and, and then he's he's still learning our standards, and you know, and but he's he's been great for us. You know, as as an older guy that's got a lot of playing experience. You know, um, and then everyone around him just uh, accepted him, which you know made the transition better for him. That answer clocked in at 19.7 seconds, and one of Rayola's longer responses. And he was talking about Ben Scott, right? Just, it's not a, so, so when I heard that, it didn't seem like a glowing review, right? Still learning our practice standard, but he has played a lot of big time college football. Our guys took him in. I'm just re and I'm I'm like that is so dr right like not gonna give you a not gonna say anything to fluff you up he's gonna keep it right in his lane and do with it what he will in house that answer isn't really for us so much as it gives him it gives us a glimpse into he's not into a bunch of hyperbole he's not into a bunch of fluff hey listen. He's played a lot of college football. Fact. The players have taken him in. 
Fact. He's embraced our system. Fact. He's still learning our practice standards. Fact. There were no real opinions <laughs> given in that 19 seconds. What are you supposed to do with that? <laughs> That's how he is. I don't know if it was 19 seconds, but I just kind of made that up as, we, as we're going. But you're absolutely right. Right? I mean, this is a guy that wants to play, and he's somebody that is willing to learn. It, again, it goes back to the willingness to learn with the players that come in to play football under Matt Rule and this staff. And, and it's all about just having a plan, mm-hmm. right? You know, getting to a plan. Shane, can you play Campbell six for me? Right, and the minute Coach Rule uh, reached out to me and, and, and told me what the plan was, I was going to get on the first, the first thing smoking out here that I could because I'm a firm believer in, you know, the fact that you have to build relationships, you know, in, in order to get what you, what you want out of these student-athletes, right? I can have the best strength and conditioning program in the world, but if I don't have the buy-in of those athletes, it isn't going to mean anything. So them seeing me uh, – Come to Lincoln with the head coach. I think that signifies the level of importance uh, that it means to me, and not only me, but the coach Rule and his and his head strength and conditioning coach. But also, you know, hey, we have to maximize the time that we have with you. So if I can get in front of you, communicate to you some of the goals and the expectations, all right, in in November, December, prior to us starting in January, that just gets us a little bit ahead of the curve. The best ability that allowed them to bring those guys in a week early to start conditioning as well. The best ability is availability. I say it all the time. And that's what Coach Rule says too. And you have to keep these guys healthy. So when I talk about a plan, you know, not even just Rayola having a plan with Ben Scott when he comes in and, you know, trying to develop a new plan. But Matt Rule having a plan from the start, bringing over Corey Campbell right away and saying, you, I treat you as probably the second most important coach and, in this program and he is though he is there is no just my opinion my experience there is no other way around it probably your strength and conditioning guy has got to be your 1a he has to be able to execute exactly what your vision is because he has or she has will have the players significantly more than you will and you need reports i have to be able to trust you that when you come back to me and tell me information there's common language so i know what you're saying right because if all i can do is stand over and look and and i can't there's there's some other things that i can't do like like being in there i need that when you talk to me there's a common language, and I'll keep saying this over and over and over again because there is no shared purpose at the end without common language in the beginning because I have to trust you. And there was something that Corey Campbell said, too. I don't remember the exact quote, so I don't know if we can play it, but he said there's no substitute for strength and no excuse for lack of it. I, th- I thought that was, like, <laughs> so deep when I'm thinking about the weight. For something so simple, right? Right, yeah. There's a difference between simple and, and easy. And that rolled off his tongue very quick. Hey, we're going to talk uh, about the Brandon Miller situation. We have plenty more to get to on the show, so stick with us. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. I think the mentality from an offseason standpoint is to get 1% better every day, right, and understand what the goal is but what it takes on a daily basis to achieve that. Um, again, attention to detail 
effort are, are, are huge pillars of what we look to accomplish in the weight room. And also the mindset of hard work, right? Winter programs across college football, a lot of people are doing the same things, right? What's going to set you apart from those other programs across the country? It's not what we're asking you to do from a day-to-day standpoint that's required. It's what are you willing to do extra. So um, I think those three things are, are, are things that we look to, we look to foster um, during winter training. As I got cut off before our break there, I wanted to set up the rest of the show before we get into what Coach Corey Campbell just said there. We will do a roster review at the top of the hour. Uh, That segment coming up next, we will go over the wide receiving room Mm. uh, over at Nebraska, which is hefty and a handful, if if you want to call it both. Um, We will talk about, as I said, the Brandon Miller situation and update you on where those details kind of stand right now and uh, how that program either tries to, to move to move further as they are, what, the second best team in the nation right now, a projected one seed. We have Brian Edwards at 845, Michael Brunts at 9. We'll do the sports six-pack at 930. That's presented by Zipline Brewing. Your questions right here on the show. And then Jordan McAlpine, he's a prospect writer for the rink live we'll talk omaha hockey with them as they have home ice for the first round of the nchc playoffs but going back to what Corey campbell said there, coming out of the break getting one percent better have we heard that before db yeah, we have i think I, we've heard that once or twice i think it's uh i think it's kind of commonplace uh, in goal-oriented cultures you know where i think the mentality from an offseason standpoint is to get one percent better every day yeah we talk. It's on our T-shirts. We t- we talk about it uh, in the weight room. We talk about it in the classroom. Like the one percent thing from a culture standpoint, because I think you know whether you know one percent exactly to the fo- uh, to the whole number is kind of inconsequential. It just gives you a reference and a barometer to ask the student athletes, do you feel like you were better than you were yesterday? Because that's really the goal. Especially in the weight room. Yeah. Because it's hard to grow in the weight room. It's not hard to grow on the football field. Especially when you feel like just based on how muscle growth and development goes, there's always going to kind of be what you feel is a plateau point. Right? Where, man, I've I've been stuck on 240 for... You know, a I'm, week. I'm done with it. Right? And, you know, so what else is it that's in your work capacity that can get you out of that, that mental, kind of that mental rut? So uh, I'm all in. And if nothing else, it's kind of because it's what I believe. Well, you're all in, but so are the players. Because right now, they are buying in. And you wouldn't get results unless you buy in. And they believe in the work that is put forward in this strength and conditioning program. Um, All bias aside for Coach Campbell, as he's probably in my top five of favorite coaches at Nebraska. Well, you only have nine to choose from. Yeah, but if we did a top five, he would be in the top five. Well, I guess ten if you want to use strength and conditioning. Who would be in your top five? Uh, Bartle, Rule, Coop. No, 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 no. Retract. No. Let's go. Rule. He's he's losing. Let's rule. go. Rule. <laughs> Barthel. Campbell. 
No particular order. Uh, Rayola. And T. White. Good ones. Rule. Yeah. Cooper, as you know. For my you? My guy. Yeah. Maguire. <laughs> Caleb likes Coop, too. <laughs> my guy. Yeah. Campbell. I feel and like I know Maguire the least. He's easy to relate to for me, though. So that's why I like him. That's probably... A Co- couple of 20-somethings? Well, and I feel... He is just one of those in the wide receiving room, and we can get into that more in our next segment. But being around the same age as those guys, I, as in regards to building relationships, that would help me if mm. I had somebody mm. that was a role model but wasn't 20 years older than me. Who do you think my last guy is? Foley. I love Ed Foley. I, <laughs> I love Ed Foley. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love that guy. That dude, he is a workaholic, but he is also somebody that's like a little bit on like the awkward side, um, but he's he embraces de- he's, that. He's definitely. And it comes out as personable. I love that side of him. Definitely quirky. I'm, and I'm telling you, if he can get that special teams rounded in the form and have each of those individual coaches Take some ownership of the pieces of the special teams. Man, if, if uh, Nebraska's return game has just been so poor. And I don't so much worry about the, the putting foot to ball. So the place kicking and kickoffs, they'll be okay. Um, I, the return game is where I think Nebraska can really grow the most in 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 my opinion but to go back what i was saying about campbell is i like that not only does he have a plan for the players but he has a plan for himself into dealing with the players this early on he talked about being able to create optimal athletes and not weightlifters i mean to have a strength and conditioning coach that isn't there just to get you as strong, as strong, as strong for him. No, it's as strong, as strong, as strong for the team, for what you can do on the field. And maybe it's not getting super strong. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's becoming more versatile. Maybe it's getting better just conditioned overall. Campbell, too, Shane. Campbell Coming in the door, had to figure out what the baseline was. You know, and, and within a lot of things that we do from a training standpoint, those are evaluations in and of themselves. From a warm-up standpoint, from what we do in the weight room, right, we're evaluating movement efficiency, you know, mechanics. Um, from a, a volume and intensity standpoint in a way in which we program, right, and our ability to track how fast the barbell is moving with some of the technology that we have, those give us assessments on strength. You know, coming in the door, didn't want to ask them to max out, right? I hadn't seen them. You know, but that'll come later in the future. But utilizing to our advantage, um, again, processes such as warm ups, such as uh, movements in the weight room to help identify that. And then we have that baseline and we can build on that so that we can get, you know, more solidified numbers uh, once we approach spring ball and summer training. He's done this before. (laughs) Once or twice. I don't know, like. Okay, so I don't know enough about everybody else around the country. I do think it sounds different to not come in right away and see where guys are at from a strength standpoint. He's easing into that, which I thought was kind of interesting because – 
you know, learning a little bit more about what they're doing in the strength and conditioning department, it makes sense now. But if I want to tailor a workout for you, I kind of should know what I'm dealing with from a from a strength mm-hmm. and a movement standpoint. But they've negotiated that nicely without getting the big numbers at the top. I, again, that's kind of above my pay grade in terms of what I know works, but it it seems a little different than what I've known. When you were a player, were workouts individualized to you or were they individualized to the position group? So they were customized. It was a little bit of both, right? So running backs would work out in similar fashion. Now the strength, the, the weights could be different within there, but the workouts were the same. It would be different than what we did from, right. like, let's say, offensive linemen or defensive linemen. But it changed, you know, when I was in school. We got rid of a couple of lifts for um, strength and conditioning purposes. You know, my last two years, we weren't concerned near as much with bench. Um, it wasn't on the the index testing. We went more to hang clean, squat. Um, we went to... Um, very very high speed and intensity workouts very low weight uh, which was different than my first couple of years which was you know how much weight can you move Um, a lot of force against the ground stuff a lot of core I'd like to think we were we used to be on the cutting edge of, of core strength you know medicine balls and we felt like it was kind of weird it's like you want me to be able to do this with my stomach and sit with this on a ball and be able to put weight on my back like this? Why can't I? You know, so the whole core strength thing, I think, was just getting started, which is why I think we had so many people coming to watch our strength and conditioning program. We used to see schools at Nebraska all the time in the off season. You know, Florida State would come in. Miami would come in. We watched these other schools, like, look at our strength and conditioning and they basically took it and kind of passed us by. You could call that a little chaotic. Dvorak chaos for me, Shane. The number is? It's at the bottom. It is. There's no number next to it. Yeah, it's, it's toward the... It's uh, below it's, nine. Yep. At the end. Dvorak chaos. Um, that's a great question. Chaos? Chaos. that's what you could call all those people showing up and thinking hey how can we recreate nebraska when you played football hey um that's a great question it is chaos there's another one i wanted to get to but we'll come back after we take a break i felt like he was by far and away the most interesting dvorak really yeah and we only got eight minutes of him yeah i there you know, there's this green freshness to him, but I still think at the end of the day, the position that he coaches he could it's could be playing a little coy. I mean, because I, I I think he's a I think he's a he's legit. got an interesting position position group. Yes, he does. A lot of wild cards there. Yep. When and we, somebody's going to come from off the grid. When we watch. come back, we'll talk about that and we'll break down the wide receiving room next. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. So I, I played two years. I played my sophomore and my freshman year. Coach Rule was my head coach when I was a sophomore. So I played, you know, all the way to my last game of my sophomore year. I got injured in the last game. Uh, unfortunately, that ended my career. I had a knee injury. And, you know, at one point I, I went up to coach and I'm like, coach, like, you know, they said I'm done. Like, I don't know what to do. You know, football's been my whole life. So he's like, well, why don't, why don't you just help out and start coaching? So I started student assistant coaching um, at the end of my sophomore year, just helping out, doing every, everything I can, sitting in the coaches' meetings, you know, coaching the players. So I started out there, and then when coach took the Baylor job, I went down there with him as quality control. I was there for two seasons. And then I left there and took a job at Lehigh University coaching the D-line for two years, which was an awesome experience for me as well. And then uh, go to Carolina with coach for two seasons, and then uh, now I'm here. So been about 10 years um, and a lot of it with coach. That's why you like him. I don't know what you're talking about. Why do, why do I like why do coach, I like coach? I'm hurt. I don't know what to do. Hey, why don't you uh, why don't you try coaching? Uh, maybe stick around a little bit. Help out. Um, okay, I can do that. Now I'm going to bet on myself and work my way up the ranks. That's a lot of it. That's yeah. why you like it's a lot of. That's it. why you like our guy Rob. He, I think he. I think he loves football, and, and I know. I oh, you to, know he loves football. I used to say this, and people would look at me crazy. Up until about the last seven or eight years, and I would always tell people, just because you're able to do something and you get paid to do it, doesn't mean that you love to do it. Sometimes it's just a means to the end. And I think finding people that actually love playing football, if you can find those guys, you're so much more ahead of the curve. I think Coach Dvorak loves football. If you love football, you're going to stay immersed in the game. I liken it back to something Coach Rayola said the other day, yesterday about the transfer portal. Remember, because... You know, they thought that they were going to get Rouse, and, mm-hmm. and you had some ready-made guys ready to go, and then all of a sudden it changed. And, and he was asked, what, what do you think of the transfer portal? He simply said, do a lot of research. <laughs> right? To fast forward to Coach Dvorak. And that's said, all he said. That's all he said. That was the answer. You know, which was a lot of. Hey man, why do you why do you, you like why do you, you like, expand why, on why, that? Why do you like Coach Satterfield? Same beliefs. Next question. <laughs> you know, I just was like, even though you know, I think Coach Satterfield said he's on record, man. He he came to Lincoln wanting to get rid of Coach Rayola. He, he once he talked to him, he's like, Nah, we need this guy, <laughs> right? Because I just think that's how that's how I just think that that's how Dr. is, but. With Coach Dvorak, you have to – it just goes into everything that I believe about this job. You have to love it because what's going to happen is 
it's almost like this inevitable cycle. You get here, it's fantastic. You're well-received. It's, it's typically for the last 20 years, it's better than anything that you've ever been around. There's this thing to where you kind of get spoiled. You kind of love it. Things come a little bit easy to you on the business end. And then you get into the thick of battle and it's like, oh my gosh, this isn't what we thought. There's good coaches. There's good assistants. This is a tough league. We have to buckle down. Gosh, I need some more guys and gals that want to buckle down. Swap, swap, swap some guys out. We're not thinking fast enough. Swap, swap, swap some more guys out. Fans become disgruntled. This guy doesn't work hard enough. This can't be a job where you cut your teeth. Wash, rinse, repeat. It just sounds like a washing cycle, right? And I always joke with people, that cycle that just spins when you want to shake the clothes up, which is code for getting Nebraska wins, it's called the agitated cycle. So people just get agitated. And you try the same thing and you put it on the same cycle and you just continue to get agitated. So I've always maintained, because I believe this to be true, just after listening to so many coaches run, get run through here, my number one characteristic that a coach needs to win at Nebraska is you have to grind. You cannot be a grinder unless you love what you're doing. You, so you can flip-flop it. You can say you have to love it. I just don't know if you can fall in love with Nebraska before you're a grinder. But apparently, according to Coach Rule and his family, they fell in love with Lincoln. At least his wife did. Fell in love with Lincoln. Hey, I want to be here. There's something about this place. Not happen to fit his natural grinder mindset, as you can see. I mean, you ever... He just watches film on a humbug, whether it's on his phone or on a computer. Like, I think he loves football. I think it's really all he knows. Uh, uh, I, and so when I hear that from Coach Dvorak, my man went to Lehigh to be a D-line coach for two years. I think D-line is one of the weird positions where if most D-line coaches typically only know D-line. I'm serious. It's just kind of weird how that goes. D-line, uh, a lot of the D-line coaches I know, they kind of know what goes on back there in the secondary, but not really. They kind of know what happens with the second level, but not really. So I like the fact and I'm, I'm generalizing here. So I kind of like the fact he started out learning D-line, then backed up the lens to see what happens with second level. Because when you know how those seven guys fit together, or six if you're in a, if you've got five in the secondary, you still have to understand how the six, the, the, the seventh gets in the run fit. I think you're way ahead of the game. Because you have to know how those guys work together. You know, a lot of D-line guys, ah, they want to get in the stunt. Hey, man, I'm going to slam in the B-gap, or I'm going to start in the three, and I'm going to get in the two or whatever. And, you know, meanwhile, your insides are like, okay, is this cloudy or clear for me? Okay, am I backside B guy or am I frontside A guy? Like, if you can know how those pieces work together, the better you can be, which is why I absolutely love that Coach White can can coach all three positions and he gets a secondary vantage point because he was a secondary guy. I guarantee you, you ask our secondary, because we play so much too high with an odd front, they know run fits. 
They know run fits that happen in front of them, and they know what has to happen behind them. Because when you get that big picture, it's the only way you can play good defense. So I like the fact that Dvorak has experience playing or coaching the D-line first. And Dvorak is kind of in an interesting spot, a little bit like McGuire is offensively, where you just kind of don't know what you have just yet. You're still trying to sort out, sort out the pieces, still trying to learn what you have, um, and it's going to take all of spring to really figure out who you have and, and who's going to be playing, you know, come and Carolina come played pretty good defense early on. Oh, turn, yeah. Turned turn teams over. Oh, even at the back end of the yeah. season, they played really well. Uh, but he's looking for guys that have the traits that will play, the size, the toughness, the explosiveness. Um, he, he mentioned change of, change of direction, too. He has Reimer back. He has Henrich back. Uh, didn't dive too deeply into those guys in the transfer portal. But you mentioned something, too, and, and, and it's all about learning not only what he wants out of his position group, but what Tony White is wanting out of this defense. Shane, can you play Dvorak 9 for me? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's structured in a way that we can get to a lot of different fronts. We can get a lot of different coverages and in, in many different ways of doing it. So uh, it's hard to describe because we could do a lot of things, but it could also look the same. So um, it's, it's, been, it's been really cool to, to learn the system with Coach White and um, see, see how we could – you know, win on defense. So it's not just about the players in his room. He still has to learn the defense. So if you watched that interview and you thought, man, it seems like Dvorak's unprepared for what's about to come because mm-hmm. he didn't really have a for sure answer on a lot of different things. Well, it's because he's balancing two things now. One, he's learning about his players and building relationships still. And two, it's trying to figure out what Tony White can accomplish because as he said, you can have a lot of different looks, but it all does the same thing. So uh, what does this look uh, – I don't want to say look twice, but what does this look look like whenever we get onto the football field? And I think, you know, I, I don't think he has a great command yet of his personnel either. I mean, listen, you got Fields and Rodgers and Malcolm and Kapai and Guybar and uh, Snodgrass and Henrich and Reimer and Noonan and – Prince and Applegate and Gunnarsson and Butler and Borders and Waylon and MJ Sherman. Those are just your linebackers and your edge guys. Like, that's not even to get in to your nickel guys like Stanger, Gifford, and, and, and Buda Wright. Those are all potentially second level guys. So, when you talk about. Now, some of those guys are going home, I believe, but. But. You have to shave them. But just to get to know the personal, and it doesn't include, and I didn't even say one of the guys that I think has a chance to really make some headway this this spring, and that's Grant Taggy. So Yeah, you like him. Listen, I've seen the numbers. I've seen the numbers. I know he's going about 20 miles an hour right now in terms of top-end speed. I know I've watched him in high school his whole career. Like, I, I know his versatility. I know his toughness. See, he's a guy. The reason I like him, it's not even a West Side thing. Promise. Hand to God. It's, do you know what it is? Number one, he competes. Two, he'll know every position. And in an interchangeable defense, you want a guy 
that knows what he's doing. You want somebody that's not stagnant. And you know what else? He jumped off the page on special teams. So he already has their attention. So then it's like, okay, do the do the workouts match what I'm seeing on film? Oh my wait. Wait, he's faster than I thought. He's he's pretty explosive. I mean he's in the top tier of these linebackers when you're looking at MPHs and and ability to maintain top speed. I'm t- I, I I like Taggy. I think he's gonna play opposite. And and you need some time too until you get Nick ready to go. And he'll have a there'll there'll be some young guys that will have the opportunity to flash because they'll know what they have in a couple of guys and a few are still trying to get healthy. So you're going to have some opportunities to impress. And I think that he's a guy that that's all they need. That's why I like Jamari Butler. Because I think Jamari Butler's talented. And he has good direction now. Like, there's Blaze Gunnarsson. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. That, that that I want to see, and I know you're on this MJ Sherman thing, and I hope. Listen, I hope I hope I hope he balls. I I don't. I haven't seen enough, right? But between him and and uh, I don't know. I I want. Yeah, I like what I see on paper. They have some numbers. They they. I said this right after. Remember recruiting. I said, does it seem like they've quietly kind of rebuilt the defense on the fly? You still D line is still going to be a thing in terms of depth, but man, they stockpiled on defense, kind of right under mm-hmm. <laughs> our noses. So I, I do. They got a lot of pieces there. I think they can play with something that we didn't miss were all the wide receiver additions that this team has made. The most crowded position group on. Nebraska's roster. Uh, the Huskers added two transfers, a handful of high school signings in uh, the 2023 class as well. And now you also have a coach that is tasked with overseeing this group, and he's the youngest in college football. Um, so as we look down the list here, DB, because this was the group that kind of gathered the most interest for us when I've, whenever I decided, hey, Hale Varsity went through quarterbacks, running backs, wide, all the way down the list, even through defense. Offensively, what group interested you most? And it was wide receivers. And the reason for that is the uncertainty that, that is there. With a quarterback, we kind of have an idea if it's going to be one or two. With a running back, we kind of have a good gauge if it's one, two, three. Uh, but with wide receivers, it's like, hey, you lost 50% of your production last season. In regards to receptions, scoring, yards, who takes that spot over? Well, you have Marcus Washington, who is is there. He's back. But he's the only – where did I have this written down? I had it right here. Seven Husker players had 10 or more catches last year. Two return and only one is still on the team, and that's Marcus Washington. Who's been quiet this offseason. All right, we haven't – I think we – I like I, I, BC, uh, BC and I, but I talked to him, so it's kind of a cheat code on how he and I think. But uh, I'm a I'm a big Washington guy, and it started last year because I felt like there were some times where it would have been easy for the frustration level to mount for him. Some things off the field, some things on. I thought he was open a lot, um, and I still thought he stayed the course, made some tough catches, became very dependable. Made some big plays. And so I like him because I don't think, in talking to people that know him, like he's not a fake tough guy. 
right? I mean, my man is Mr. East St. Louis, and I think he embodies that. But the wide receiving core for me is a concern until it's productive because history shows me that guys get they they just burn through at this position and it's not one particular coaching staff it's everyone so i would love to give the benefit of the doubt to this staff and just be like blind faith but it's like kind of like where you're from the missouri state you just got to show me because something happens in this wide receiving room in lincoln that doesn't go well in terms of retention which is why I thought it was fair the last couple of days, and maybe it's because I don't know him at all. But it's why I said, you know, for the most part, I can kind of see the design and the staff, but the guy that interests me the most is Coach McGuire because I think he's the youngest guy in the room, and I won't hold that against him because, I mean, Doogie Hauser was a real TV show, right? I mean, you can be a young phenom. It's just a tough room. It's, it's tough for a young guy to, to, and I know where you're going here, to walk in on a room that's not really solidified it's just, it's just a, and make magic happen. It's, it's, just, it's a tough room by nature. And I think the good wide receiving rooms are usually led by a guy, an alpha that sets the tone in that room. And I think it was a combo of TP and, 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 and Marcus last year. And I, it needs its own policing. It's a lot like the running back room. <laughs> it needs its because it's not as natural as the quarterback room and the O line room. The O line room, although we did hear reference to it yesterday, they'd like a natural leader to emerge, right? Someone to kind of just take that room over. Which you better get that in a hurry because the the more your leaders, I'm going to say this. The closer to the line of scrimmage your leaders play, typically the better you are. Typically. Now, you could have some dynamic guys in the backfield, in the back end, right? You could have a a Ronnie Lott and Ed Reed. But the closer those guys play the line of scrimmage, usually the more it permeates your team. Do you think just my experience? Do you think Billy Kemp is all he's talked up to be based on it's hard. what we've heard? Because I've watched a lot. It's it, it, it is hard because you know he's battled through injuries. He's he, been productive. He's been very productive. Maybe very is not the word. He's been productive, um, but it almost feels like he, he has something to prove too. Well, that's good though. That's the guys you want, right? Right, but at the same time. The expectation, at least, was when you got pencil him, him in. was pencil him in as the leader. I, oh, I hear you. Pencil him in as Mr. Trey Palmer 2.0. Um, yeah, he's not that guy, and he's not. And I don't know if anybody can be. Let's be honest. Trey Paul, what Trey Palmer did in one year coming from the transfer portal was insane. It, it was great to see, and it was cool to watch every single week. But let's not think that recreating Trey Palmer is an easy thing to do. But his work ethic, I would say, is an easy thing to recreate, and that's what Billy Kemp has. But can you pencil him in as that so-called leader? Why, why do we, as a collective group, continue to sleep on Marcus Washington as being that guy because he was there last I year and he played a lot? Because, you know, he's not in the front of the podium, and he's not going to be a guy that kind of wowed you with 
testing and remember he's kind of a late addition last year super late but if Actually, casey starts you remember the texas texas connection there yeah so um i just think he flies under the radar some of it is just his personality though but he's a guy that i would i would hang out with you know um and i i say that with a grain of salt because it's not. A, you only it's hang a, out with rule. It's not a great reflection. Sometimes, I mean, I, I do hang out with guys like Oklahoma Tyler. So it's like, yeah, you know. Sometimes I make some concessions. Um, I kid because I care. But there are a lot of guys that are on the clock, man. Sean Hardy. Yeah, uh, that's you know, another one. Janarian Bonner, Victor, scout team player of the year in Victor, Victor Jones, uh, Xavier Betts. Like those guys are on the clock. So. It should be highly, highly competitive. I do think Doss is a baller. Um, you know, uh, would you say there's a short leash for guys like Hardy and Betts? Yeah. And, yes. And, and players. Uh, so in I think that I think those four that I mentioned: Bonner, Victor Jones, Hardy the third, and Betts. Like clocks. Would IGC be up there too? Oh uh, yeah, clocks definitely ticking. I just don't know how. I just don't know how patient these guys will afford to be in year one while you're still carving out the 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 culture piece because it has to fit you you can't get year one wrong because it's hard to go back and recalibrate we 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 saw it try to get reset a couple of times shoot basketball couldn't do it until they swapped out guys baseball is trying currently (laughs) They have it's, a lot. They have a lot of season ahead, though. It, it's hard to pull a shock of smart where you just recalibrate the expectation level with the exact same guys with just good old fashioned development these days. And basketball may not be a good a, a, example because it's such smaller numbers. It's very difficult to do to recalibrate the the culture post the first year with the same guys. Take some super self-inventory. So I think Coach Rule and his staff are banking on getting it right the first time around. With 16 scholarships currently on the roster, this is actually a question I don't know. What's a good number to settle Wait, they're at? down. They're down, right, because they lost Elante Brown. Is it at 15? I thought, oh, I thought, was they, were they at 17 before him? I think they were at 16. Were they 16. at 16 before? Okay, so. I could still, be wrong. I could be off. Even it's still. within one or two. 15. What are you looking at numbers wise? Where are you going down to? I think they want to get, I think you have to have nine guys. I, was, I had that number in my hand. I think you nine have to have guys. nine guys that you can play. I really do. Now, it's a little bit of a luxury, but you got to think if you go some four wide. In practice, you know, empty. Some of these guys are going to be backs will be in empty. You want two good groups where you can go four deep in a a piece. So it's about nine, give or take a a sore gron or a a bad hammy or my growing or back or something. Like you want to be able to have nine, I think. High school products are in the room as well. You have Malachi Coleman, who is one of the more gifted, pure athletes in the room. You have Demetrius Bell, Jaden Doss, who is a guy that you really like, mm-hmm. Jeremiah Charles. I mean, those are three athletic receiving prospects. And then you Bryce. have the, multi-po- the multi-sport standouts in Bryce Turner and Jalen Lloyd. Yeah. who I think as they kind of understand the college game and the route running, 
it'll be interesting to see if those guys can play fast. There's a difference between being fast and playing fast. I see some guys that aren't as good on the clock, but they play pretty fast. Coach Satterfield wants depth, but not just in a number. He wants different. He wants diverse skill sets. When we come back, let's talk about the Brandon Miller situation. That's next. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back to the show, 888-638-4876. If you'd like to get involved, it's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers. And let's break this thing down because over the course of last night, you saw Brandon Miller go off for 41 points in that basketball game against South Carolina. Um, As he continues to battle the situation that's been weighing on him and um, also the Alabama basketball program with the with the homicide um, regarding Miles, a former player on the team. It, it, it all of all of this conversation has been circling circling around Brandon Miller's involvement because a lot of people didn't believe he should have been playing yesterday. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought, hey, he should be dismissed from the team. A lot of people think that he should be convicted of a crime of some sort. But what are the events? What is the timeline? Because when Nate Oates first came out and spoke about it, there wasn't a whole lot of remorse, and he acted as if he didn't know too much. And then a day later, it was like, wait, you did know all of this information. Why did you beat around the bush the first time? So then he administered an apology, but then it's like, how sincere is it? So Nate Oates has his own situation, and he, and he, he had to, to walk it back. I'm sure Greg Byrne, his athletic director, who did the podcast or the the hit piece yesterday, tried to provide some clarity in just 15 minutes, which isn't long enough. But um, it's a it's a it's an awkward light at the very least for Oates, and I think most that are trying to be privy to the situation and say that he would at least acted in bad judgment. But how much did he really know when he was saying what he was saying? I think it's important for the coach and the athletic director or your athletic director to be on the same page uh, in terms of delivering the message. And it didn't seem like at least early on that Oates and Byrne were. Now, now Byrne did say that he was, wasn't privy to some information i.e. the text messages mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Yep. Yep. Those weren't made available until Wednesday, which is when we had to do the walk back. So what I'm still finding trouble understanding is Brandon Miller's connection to the shooting because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of stories are different. And even today I came in and I go, well, DB, it was his gun in the back seat. Uh, I mean, that's what we've been hearing on TV. And then we looked up well we saw the hit piece the blurb right from the testimony of the police officer that said brandon miller notified miles of the gun right and where it was right so assumptions were then made yeah. but then as we read today it was actually miles's gun but that was left in, in miller's car yeah but he knew about it Correct. He knew that the gun was there because when he showed back up, when Miles said, hey, bring me my gun, uh-huh. it wasn't as if 
Brandon didn't know that he wanted to either use the gun as a potential. No, 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 no. He didn't. That's the whole thing. Why would he say, bring me my gun? Because it's his and it was left in his car. But he was going to pick him up anyway. Right. I know. He, like, make sure you bring my gun is how I think. See, Listen, I, no, no, wait, I read it different. Let's take our opinion out of it. Let me tell you why I don't think that they, why they can't charge Brandon Miller with anything. Because they have to prove intent. And they hadn't been able to find any text messages, any, that's that, to the contrary, that Miller was aware that Miles wanted the gun for ill intent. Do you understand? No, what I know saying? where you're going. So I know where you're going. So it's not like, because well, kind of the way that you said it, it implies that, well, what else would he want his gun for? He may, no, 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 hey, mm-hmm. I, and I'm not going to try to talk in anything, because right. I think we're going to be on opposite ends of the spectrum here. If that gun does not belong to me, or I don't know that it's still in there, and I say, hey, bring me my gun. Mm-hmm. Benefit of the doubt, at least, is he's just returning the gun. Now, if it's escalating and he says, or if if he's, let's say he's intimated, but the text messages don't say so. But I'm just giving you a hypothetical. Because I know the next question will be, well, why would he tell him there's one in the cha- there's one in the head? Which means that there's one. That's in not this, my question. That there's one in the chamber, right? It's if to be careful handling it when I give it back to you or something like that doesn't mean that he can prove that there was ill will so here's my thing you go to pick him up right he gets asked to go get picked up from wherever miller's at a restaurant yeah, that, like he drops the t- somebody t- 12, off the 1225 yeah, sports bar he, he's going to pick he's going to pick up miles and uh, davis when you go to pick him up you know your gun's already in the car why would you say hey bring my bring me my gun if if you were just coming to pick me up, I'd know to grab my gun and go back inside my apartment if it wasn't meant to be used that night or to scare that night. That's where my head goes. It's not the it's, fact and that, that's fair. It's not the fact that, hey, the facts – facts are facts at the end of the day, right? And, oh, and, and, it's, and it's innocent until proven guilty. If, if Brandon Miller's like, hey, you know, he texted me this and I just showed up because this is what I thought he wanted to get in the car and just make sure I had it so I could take him home, that's one thing. But at the same time, when I think about if if somebody were to say, hey, make sure to bring my gun, but I was already coming to pick you up, why would you tell me to bring the gun if it wasn't supposed to be used for something? That's a, that's a, that's a fantastic question. So when I'm reading Greg Byrne, when I go back and listen to Byrne's explanation, apparently, this is according to Byrne, Miles had been texting Miller to come get him for over an hour. Hey, I, I need a ride because let's you got to go back and set the stage. Miller dropped Miles and company off at the 1225 sports bar, but didn't want to stay because the line was too long. So we get in the car. We're, we're riding. We're, we're riding around. I drop you off. Listen, guns in the back seat. You drop me off. Hey, man, uh, come pick me up. Crickets. Hey, A.R., Come pick me up, man. Come on. You know I'm ready to go. Where you at? Last time. Hey, AR. Hey, listen, man. 
bring me my gun. Like, my stuff's in the back seat. Come scoop me, man. Like, what if it went like that? I'm still picking you up at the end of the day. You are, but what if the bring me my gun was to intensify you dragging your feet and coming to pick me up? See, for me, I'd say, bro, get it later. Okay. Which is why Miller's in the situation that he's in. Because right. let's say yeah, people. It, when you talked about bad judgment with Nate Oates, it's also bad judgment so on at, part at the So ver- at the very least, we know that he's guilty of bad judgment. Mm-hmm. Sure. We, we know that he's, a, he's guilty. I'll ride that train all he's, day. He's guilty of bad and judgment. I, and he knows that too. But what I'm, tell, what I'm saying, why I ask these questions out loud, because, you know, there's lots of other questions. Hey, why'd you have it? What was going on? There's all of that. But at the end of the day, when Tuscaloosa DAs that have been asked about this over the last couple of cases, days, say you can't charge Brandon Miller with anything. He's never touched the gun. It wasn't his gun. You have to be able to prove intent. Sure. No DA, no district attorney's office is, is you don't have enough to charge him. So I, I just didn't understand early on, like, why they made it seem like it was Miller's gun and he was like, because hey, that's man, why I hey, asked hey man, hey, man, I'm in trouble. Can you bring me my piece? That wasn't. Right, because I was, asked you, well, his fingerprints would be all over the gun if yeah, it's his and, gun. And it wasn't, which is what we didn't know right. early on. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's above Oates' pay grade, and it would certainly be above Bill Burns' pay grade, too. If the chancellor or the president of the university say, hey, listen, sit him down, remove him from the situation. You're going to sit him down and remove him from the situation while – the legal process plays out. But there is no legal process playing out right now. So basically, it seems like he's playing through a a shroud of, man, what are you doing with these shady guys? That's basically what he's, right? I mean, because I don't, because everybody, for all accounts, everybody's like, hey, Miller's a good kid. Miller's a good kid. Miller's a good kid. But I was about to say, you hear all the time that he's a good kid. Unfortunately, innocent or guilty, this is going to follow him forever. Yeah. It, it, and it could, it could potentially affect draft stock for him eventually. Maybe. I doubt it, but maybe. At what point do you listen to Miller and say, hey, we're going to protect you. We're going to sit you down. It's our other guys are having a hard time. They're distracted, or because Miller's playing through it. That's those are the kinds of things that it, I want to get through it, and it, talk about. It's crazy because he's got some sort of mental capacity to be able to put something aside and play basketball. Meanwhile, the team not so much. Yeah, they, they, they they're good. struggling. Yeah. Hey, Brian Edwards. We're going to talk to him next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Now, Vegas Insider, Senior Handicapper, and fan of the cold Budweiser bottles, Brian Edwards. It's got to be touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Brian Edwards. I don't really love it. Brian Edwards. Were they using the cream cheese to butter the bagel? Brian Edwards. I'm going with the cowgirl. Here is Brian Edwards. Hey, let's talk picks. Let's talk a little sports gambling because we all need help, right? Everybody needs help out there. Nobody's perfect. Even when you think you have the perfect parlay, even when you have the so-called perfect play, is it perfect? Well, only one man can really (laughs) answer that question. He's Brian Edwards. He's with us now. What's up, Brian? No pressure with all that fluff, huh? What's up, gentlemen? Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Good, Doing good. well. Not as well as I, yesterday morning I was doing fantastic because I went 4-0 and on Tuesday and hit a big money line parlay, but I went 1-2 and last night. Hey, so is the NBA tough to cap coming back after the break? You know, I, I gave a, 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 a hard look at the card yesterday, and I, I only came up with two plays, so I, uh, maybe a little bit. Because I would have rather had, you know, three, four. Just seems like, you know, fresh legs, new start, little outlook. Yeah, had guys spin. I don't know. It just seems yeah. like after that break, little sluggish. It just seems yeah. like it would be tough to cap. Who part? Yeah, who partied the most? <laughs> who had to fly the fly the farthest from wherever they went vacationing, et cetera? Yeah, but I mean, we don't. I mean, it's hard to have knowledge of those things. Weird line here to start with the Cavs laying points at home against the Nuggets. Yeah, uh, I like the Cavs. Um, they've been really good at home all year long. Um, and they have won uh, seven of eight uh, before the All Star break, and all seven wins by eight points or more. The only loss uh, at Philadelphia. Um, they went six and two against the spread in those final eight, but the only non-cover besides the loss at Philadelphia was when they were laying sixteen uh, to the Spurs. Uh, they did lose by thirteen out in Denver on January sixth, uh, but they didn't have Donovan Mitchell that night, and obviously, you know, he's their best player or leading scorer. I mean, they've obviously got some really good big men. But, uh, yeah, at home, the Cavs 25-6 and six straight up, 20-10-1 against the spread. Denver's really good, but not not so much on the road. 14-4 and four straight up, 12-16 and 16 ATS. So I'll, I'll take the Cavs lay in the short number. Yeah, the Nuggets without Aaron Gordon tonight, too. Cavs 18-10-2 ATS as a home favorite. So something to keep in mind there. Memphis, on the other hand, 9-18-1 ATS on the road. They're also 1-7 ATS as a road dog. Playing the 76ers. That's not good. Yeah, playing the 76ers in this one. Uh, another game that you kind of have your eyes on, Sixers minus three. Although the Sixers, they're pretty weak defensively, and that's where the Grizzlies find their strength. Yeah, uh, I like the Sixers, though. I mean, like you mentioned, they've really struggled on the, the road, those terrible ATS numbers. And they've only, they're have eleven, only 11 and 17 straight up on the road uh you're not going to find philly at, at this cheap a price at, at home you know when when there's 
apparently no injury issues with Embiid. I mean, normally he's questionable like 75% of their games. He's not even on the injury report. So uh, Sixers 23 and 8 straight up, 21 and 10. Uh, gets the spread at home. I'll go. I'll go with Philadelphia. Brian, I don't understand this line at all. Um, and I get it. We talk to national guys every week in college basketball, and I always ask them for you know kind of dark horse teams, teams that can make a run that they like. And a lot of people like Illinois. They do. So I get the love. But I said for like a month. Northwestern is really good. They have seven quad one wins. They're 20 and seven. They're top 25. Why do they keep catching big points in six, five and a half, six on the road in Champaign seems like a lot. I know Shannon comes back, but gosh, that's a big number. Um, so are you thinking Shannon's coming back? I, I mean, well, I, I I it sounded like he was, and then this morning, now maybe he's not. I don't know, but if yeah. he's not, and I read this, if, if he's not, why is it six? If he's not coming, yeah, I, I, I'm okay. I'm with you there. It, the number makes us think he's coming back, right? And and so I'm kind of assuming uh, he is. I, I went and watched uh, Underwood's little media scrum yesterday, and you know, he might be wanting them to think he's not coming. Playing coy day to day. Yeah, dated, yeah, playing coy, exactly. But look, I mean, even if Shannon plays, um, you know, Northwestern 20 and 7, straight up 17 and 10 ATS. They've won five in a row and eight of 10, both straight up, straight up and ATS. They're six and two, straight up and ATS on the road this year. They've been an underdog 13 times, and they're nine and four ATS with eight outright wins. I know this gives Illinois the revenge angle, but Northwestern handled them and Evanston beat them by 13. Uh, I got to go with the hot team catching a uh, you know a pretty good underdog number. This next game, too, also in the Big Ten, also kind of has me in a tizzy knowing that Ohio State is favorited. <laughs> I mean, why are they favorites in any game? They have been so bad as of late. I mean, their season has gone completely off the rails. What have they lost, like eight straight now? And I don't think anybody saw this coming with this. Uh, well, and, and you know Ohio State was – you know, projected to be an NCAA tournament team. But as you look at Penn State, I mean, they've got double-digit scores that can just put the ball through the and, hoop. And, 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 and they're one de- of the best at doing it. And they're desperate. Like, they they need they yeah. can't afford to stub their toe. No, they got to have this one. Um, I like Penn State. Now, they have not been very good on the road. I, I can see that. But, I mean, I'm just looking to fade Ohio State. Um, they've dropped eight in a row straight up and ATS. They have lost 13 of 14 straight up in ATS. And that's going back to January 5th. So they've got one victory in like seven weeks or six, seven weeks. And, uh, you know, one of their better players, Zed Key, uh, season ending shoulder injury averages 10.8 points, 7.5 rebounds, one block shot, uh, per game. So, uh, yeah, and I know, des- uh, or I'm sorry, urgency doesn't always translate to success, but I think urgency, and this team has, this program hasn't been to the tournament in more than a decade, and they're, you know, they're right there, and this bubble is wide open. If you're somewhat close to the bubble, you rip off like three or four wins in a row right now, that's 
will put you over the hump. But, I mean, this doesn't help their resume, but you can't lose this one. And it would be their third in a row. So, uh, I think Penn State comes to play tonight, and I'll take them. Yeah, being desperate helped Carolina last night because I think that they played like a team late that needed – they couldn't afford to stub their On toe. Ash Wednesday against a Notre Dame team. Like, let, what's happening? Let me ask you something, B, because it's two lines, and you're going to – it looks like your premise is as if it looks like it's that easy to eat, I'm going to go ahead and pull up to the table. I don't think you believe in bad lines, but a team five games under 500, laying points, Ohio State, and Northwestern, a top 25 program uh, that's won five in a row, catching a big number at home. I think it seems like they're begging you to take Northwestern and Penn State. We're going to take the bait. Do you believe in bad lines? Uh, I do. I do believe in bad lines, um, you know, but I, I think Illinois, if Shannon is, like, going to start, I think Illinois should be f- four. Okay. And I think Penn State should be two or two and a half. Like, like favored, not underdogs. Gotcha. Gotcha. Brian, you're the man. We appreciate your time. Always appreciate your picks as well. If you want to toss him a follow, it's at VegasBEdwards on Twitter, MajorWager.com, BrianEdwardsSports.com. He is Brian Edwards. Let's make some money. Thanks, B. Thanks, fellas. Y'all have a great week, uh, weekend. See Thanks, ya. B. Hey, you too. And, uh, you know, to move back on our point, because we talked. To be touchdown, 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 touchdown. Not in basketball, unless you're talking to somebody that doesn't know too much about sports. Uh, but to finish up our points from last segment, I want to get to some comments that we had on YouTube. Twitter. And, um, YouTube. One comment came from Jeremiah Young, and we appreciate um, you uh, hopping in and uh, giving us your thoughts on the show. He said there should be consequences from the school. He is running around with someone who is carrying a weapon. Um, Travis says you're only as good as the company you keep. I, t- I typically say show me your friends. I show and you know what? I, I, almost, I almost wonder if that's the answer to this question is – should there be consequences because I hang out with somebody that makes bad choices, or should there only be consequences for me internally to have self-reflection and say, hey, maybe I shouldn't be around this person as much as I am? Oh, man, there's wow, minute 30. That's a toughie, right? I've fought that my whole life. Um, it, it just because some, I think it depends on the individual. And, you know, there are some people that I choose to not associate with just because I think no good can come of it. And there are some people that I think because of how they are with me, it's not it's different than how other people perceive them. So sometimes I'll negotiate that in my head. But in the court of of public opinion, and it's not a legal issue, like I said early, he's at worst or at minimum guilty of poor Poor judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miles had um, a, a firearm license, yes, right? Yes. So that's why he was able to be, you know, carrying and, the gun. And, and listen, um, we just saw this at Mardi Gras with Malik Neighbors, who's LSU's leading receiver, right? At Mardi Gras, a couple of days after there was an issue in New Orleans and in a similar area, the L-shaped object in his in his pocket, the whole concealed, ca- and he was not. He does mm-hmm. not. He did not have right. a permit. So this is a little bit different, but a lot of bit different. But it's still along the lines of right. judgment, 
right? right? Like, why the need? What feels? What? Why are you compelled to make the decisions that you make real time? Man, critical thinking is a mother. I'll tell you what. I I've hung around with people before that don't make great choices. Doesn't mean I have to. Yeah. Michael Brunt's up next, senior writer for Husker 24-7. Stick around. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Yeah, uh, we've had great conversations. You know, my biggest thing coming here is getting to know those guys. You know, I want to build a relationship with them. Obviously, we started to use football, workouts, and all those type of things. But to me... I need to have a really good personal relationship with everyone in that room. So um, it's been good to, to kind of see where their minds are at you know, with previous schematic things and what they need to improve on. So just really getting to know them as people and getting more of the football now. Linebackers coach Rob Dvoracek yesterday in his press conference talking about relationship building, kind of a... An overall theme, you could call it, with this coaching staff. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. 9 a.m., which means if you're in Lincoln, you're joining us now on KFOR. Appreciate having you with us. 590 ESPN Omaha here in town, and uh, as well on Twitter and YouTube. You can catch us live at Herd at Sports or at Hale Varsity, I believe, on YouTube. Uh, but right now, let's continue the conversation of Nebraska football, some recruiting, and uh, we'll, we'll even lean into some baseball on the back end with Michael Brun, senior writer for Husker 24-7. Michael, good morning. How are you guys? Good. I, good maybe good. not as good as you, though, because you broke your ice scraper this morning. Yeah, you get uh, too much torque on that thing, and, the, and that's what happens. So <laughs> uh, I ended up having to do kind of like the old school wrestling move where like you kind of put like your leg up on the ropes for a little bit of uh, <laughs> e- e- extra leverage, and I, I got the job done, but uh, it was rough, R- rough going this morning. Uh, back in the day, I would have used like a CD case and like went, <laughs> went, went to work, man, just kind of scraped that bad boy off. If I still had like my 93 Toyota Camry from about 20 years ago, there was there was probably a burnt CD that would have been coming pretty handy, I think. Hey, when, is it too lofty? And I love that he said it. I kind of was enamored yesterday after listening to Dvorak because you know me. I, I'm a I like relationships. Kind of, it's my my babies. I want to get to know. I want good relationships with everyone in the room. And I thought to myself, ooh. Is that feasible? If so, good on you. But I do like the fact he's setting the expectation level to getting to know those guys, right? Yeah, everybody's got a good good uh, relationship until it comes time to start setting the depth chart, right? <laughs> that, that's that's usually when when things get a little testier. Um, no, I mean it's. I, I think it's a good thing to strive for. I think that's kind of how all these guys are approaching things. I mean, it, it's. Uh, the honeymoon getting to know you phase and you know that that's kind of where they're at and and we'll see when spring ball starts but i I think you know the the relationship building i think you kind of have to with the coaching change do that stuff because you need guys to trust you and for you know guys like garrett mcguire um probably rob dvorak a little bit i mean I, i think there's probably a little bit of uh kind of proven it, I guess, that they probably have to do to some of these players um, just based upon maybe experience and age. So, mm. 
you know, the work that they're doing now, I think, is important once you get into spring ball and everything else. But I, I thought it was interesting yesterday. I mean, it sounds like there's still a little bit of uh, kind of things in flux about who's where, who's coaching whom, and, yep. um, you know, what, what the kind of division of labor is going to be in that defensive room. Hey, you know, you, you even heard yesterday – Coach, Coach Campbell talk about getting 1% better every day, which is something we've heard before. You heard Dvorak say uh, relationship building is kind of his big point of emphasis right now. But then you hear Donovan Raiola speak, and it, he didn't really fit the rule gospel, right? It was the guy that didn't come with rule to this spot. It was the only coach that he retained. Did, did you look for that at all to see if Rayola picked up on any of the ruleisms or if he uh, is just always this type of person that, you know, is there to soak in everything, say information with him and Satterfield and philosophy, uh, but not really go into too much detail about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's probably advantages and disadvantages to being the, the lone holdover. I mean, on the one hand, you're able to build on what you did last year. You already have those existing relationships that Damon was asking about. Um, and, and that kind of, I think, puts you at a, a spot that you're, you know, you're, you're operating a little bit ahead of everybody. Um, you know, he's kind of like some of the guys on the defensive side of the ball where, you know, that this kind of month or so has been a lot about, you know, learning scheme and how guys do things and getting used to how Matt Rule just runs things in the office because I know that it's very, very different than maybe what Donovan Rayola experienced last year um, under the other coaching staff. So I, I think he's probably in, in uh, you know, learning mode. I think he's also, you know, going to be a guy that's not going to share a ton in those kinds of situations anyways. Yeah. But um, I, I do think that, you know, from what we've heard from, from coaches and, and I know from players, I mean, they, they do respect him. He does have a good relationship with a lot of those guys. And, you know, if you look at, you know, what, what the offensive line has had to deal with, with the constant turnover and offensive coordinators, um, you know, you're hearing different things from um, coaching points and stuff like that. I, I think there's probably a little bit of a, a positive and maybe having the same voice that you had last season to build on. Bruncey, when you're looking at, because you, you you picked up on something that we didn't even get to yet, and it's the the divvying up of the responsibilities maybe still is in a little bit of influx. Andrew and I debated or talked and walked through probably about a month, right when White was hired, where he would land with the position groups that he would be coaching. Are you a guy... And ultimately, it's going to boil down the trust. I get it. But are you a guy that would go in your field of expertise? Would you stay with the strength of that group? Or would you, because you're the expert, go to where you're the weakest? Where would, where would Michael Brunts focus his time? Well, I mean, I, I think about it this way. Tony White is obviously very familiar with the defense he's going to be running. He knows which position group has to function well in order for that defense to work. And I think that's probably where you go it is, you know, you, you, you kind of are what you emphasize, I think. And if it's, you need to be better up front, you go there. If it's safety play, you, you go there. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think that 
having a little bit of a walk around approach is a good thing, but also kind of having a little bit more attention being paid to a particular position group because it's the, the defense that he's going to run is, is very unique in terms of putting the right personnel in the right position. So I think he has to have a pretty good evaluation of just, you know, edges and, and, you know, what linebackers can play in space, who can get up and, and set an edge on uh, at the line. I mean, that there's so much that he has to have kind of his mind wrapped around that. I, I think you probably just go with, with what you know is going to be important. So we'll see what that looks like. I know he's in the past kind of done safeties. Um, You know, he's a linebacker um, from his time at at UCLA, but um, you know, I I think, you know, this first spring, especially, I think he's probably going to have to have his attention in a lot of different places versus just kind of burying your head with one position group and occasionally, you know, doing the walk around thing. It's interesting. It's, I kind of like that, um, explanation, right? Okay, where do we have to be good? This is what I'm going to focus on. Because it just seems like Coop's, Coop's going to be the only one that will be exclusive, right? I think he will be the corners guy. I could see every other position, and maybe even including safeties. I don't know yet, if, especially, but not if, if White ends up there. They'll have a couple of guys at each position. Could you see that? It's a little bit more of kind of that pro model, right? Yeah. Like you have you have like the the positional assistant, I guess, the quality control guy that can yep. pop in and help. I mean, that's that's the advantage you have if you have a little bit bigger support staff, is you can have somebody that's you know just safeties or just corners and helping there. And I, I think there's you know a lot of value in that. I mean, that those guys are limited with what they can do, but you know it's it's the same voice in the meeting room. It's somebody that's constantly paying attention to that group, and uh, you know that 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 piece of it is why it was kind of interesting watching all the hires that were kind of quietly made mm-hmm. because I, I think they're going to have a, a little bit more um, manpower to move around and 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 kind of help the you know the the, the ten regular uh, full time assistants. You spoke about evaluations in regards to Tony White, but even player evaluations with Corey Campbell, knowing your body, the best ability is availability, all things that he's emphasizing. How does this year of winter conditioning differ from the Frost era based on either what you've seen or been told so far? Yeah, I mean, I I think at least based on what Corey Campbell said yesterday, I mean, they're not coming in and just – forcing what they're going to do. I mean, obviously they're doing the, the mat drills and that's something that, you know, Matt Rule's staff has always been known for, but you know, they're not, he's not coming in saying that this is what we're going to do. We're going to start doing it maxed out right from the, right from the beginning. And guys just have to adjust to that. I, I think they're, you know, meeting guys a little bit more of where they are. I think they're kind of getting a lay of the land of, of where guys are. And I think that's probably a smart idea. I mean, if, if you, have a you know this huge roster you, you're still trying to figure out what you have and what you don't have I mean it, it makes sense to me that you want to try to get as many of those guys to the spring healthy and able to, to show what they can do so you can get a good evaluation of, of what you have on the team so you know it, it's a little bit more of a focus I think on on you know mobility and stretching a little bit less of the heavy 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 weight um, which is you know a change from maybe what they've done in the past but I think uh, a little bit of a you know a, a more measured approach is okay 
the, the you know the first winter out when you're trying to get everything installed and, and figure out what you got. You're plenty good with vocabulary. So the closest word that you can think of to concern, where is where is Brunsey's level of concern with which coach and which position group? Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's, it's always the lines for me. I mean, I, I think those are, I don't know that that's necessarily tied to the, the coach even. I mean, I, I think it's, so it's not a night and D line thing, Rayola O line thing, right? It's just, no, I mean, it, it's, those are two areas that you have to be good and you know that. And, you know, the defensive line, I mean, if you kind of look at what's come out and what's, or what's come in and, and what's gone out, I mean, you, you don't have a ton of experience there. I mean, you have some, but, um, you know, do you have the personnel right away to, to be able to run what Tony White wants to do? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think they've added some guys that have a ton of potential there, but, um, you know, that, that was a group that last year it felt like it was that, that top group, and then there was a pretty substantial drop-off in play to that second group. And I think they got to get that figured out this spring. I mean, that, that's a concern, and I don't think it's a necessarily a Terrence Knighton thing. I just think it's uh, the the you know the it's kind of the combination. The, the the bill is coming due for some of the recruiting misses they've had yeah. in the past, and the guys that the, the guys that they haven't developed, and that that's a concern. So I would probably go there first, and then I mean, offensive line's kind of the opposite side. Is you got a lot of the same cast of characters. You added, you know, guy who's probably your starting center. How, how do you get that group playing significantly better? And it goes back a little bit to kind of what you asked earlier, Damon. I mean, it, those are two positions where you know you have to be good, and that's why I think you're going to get a lot of attention paid to those groups by Matt Rule um, this spring and making sure that they're on the right direction. Would you? Did you expect a more and? It's Rayola, so gosh, maybe I'm answering my own question. Did you think he was going to be a little more flowery in terms of the affirmation of Scott? <laughs> flowery? I, that's such a bad word with, with Rayola, but it was a very Donovan Rayola answer when talking about Ben Scott. It was one of his longer answers, but he still only talked about the facts. Uh, yep, Uh getting acclimated yep you can tell he's played a lot of ball yep still learning out how we practice and what our expectation level is so yeah it's good i was just like yeah that is so dr yeah no i mean it's you answer the question that's asked right like (laughs) that's the old uh it's almost kind of like you're on the witness stand um yeah i mean i i think I, I think w- I was expecting a little bit more just based on the fact that there was a prior relationship there, but... And a lot of I, tape. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think also, too, it, it's the old coach thing. You don't want to throw too many expectations on the kid. I think they know what he can do. Um, I, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit where they when he said they didn't know where he was going to play. It's like, well, I think we kind of know where this is going, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually thought, you know, Don Rayola, that was his best press conference he's done since he's been at Nebraska. I mean, he, he uh, was pretty effusive about Teddy Prohaska um, and, and where he's at and, and the kind of teammate he is. But, um, yeah, I, I, Ben Scott was a huge addition. I mean, I, when, when you can get that 
center spot nailed and you've got a guy that's got experience doing it. Um, you know, I actually thought his short answer about the, the, the specific things you have to have to play the center spot was actually pretty telling because I think they feel that Ben Scott has those attributes as a communicator and as a player. We're talking to Michael Brunts, senior writer for Husker 24-7, at Michael Brunts on Twitter. Michael, I want to take advantage of your range here and uh, ask you a recruiting question now because yesterday Dylan Rayola canceled his visit to Georgia, and I think uh, the general consensus there was, oh, Georgia's out of the sweepstakes and now for Rayola, which I don't think a canceled visit at this point does that unless you know something that I don't I feel Georgia just with the prestige of their program always has a way to insert themselves into any recruits conversation but with the cancellation at Georgia do you believe that instantly makes Nebraska the new favorite uh, I mean I even before the canceled visit I mean I, I felt like Nebraska wasn't necessarily trailing anybody in, in that recruitment I mean I think over the last um, six weeks or so, I mean, I, I think Nebraska's put itself in a pretty good spot with him. Um, you know, you, you send the entire staff down there right before the dead period starts. I mean, that that was impactful. Um, you know, I, I think Matt Rule has, has you know made no made it pretty known that Nebraska's going to pursue the heck out of him, um, and, and I think that that's kind of. Uh, changed the, the, the trajectory maybe of the recruitment a little bit and put Nebraska right back in the mix. You know, to me, USC has kind of always felt like it's a little bit more of a contender there than maybe the... 100,000% agree. Like, you know, they've always kind of been the third team mentioned there, and I've always thought, well, you know, he, he trains in L.A. Um, you know, obviously the, the history of developing quarterbacks that they ha- that Lincoln Riley has, that's significant. Um so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think it like pushes Nebraska to the front by any means, but I think Nebraska's kind of already been there, I guess, over the last month or so. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a positive uh, for Nebraska, but I, I don't know that it signifies a huge shift in his recruitment right now. Uh, that, I, I think that's pretty fair to say. God, total bro hug. I would give you right there, Brunsey. That's about how I would answer that. Um, let me get you out of here on this baseball. Um, lots of lots of things to probably get into there, but what su- what surprised you the most about what you thought you knew going into the season that didn't play out in just one weekend? And I want to reiterate that just one weekend. What was the variance, the greatest variance in Team Bruncey versus what we actually saw? Oh, I mean, 20, 20 walks and 10 hit batters is probably uh, not what I expected going into it. I mean, I, I thought that they uh, pitched well enough at, at the front of games. But, you know, coming out of that series, I mean, let, let's say you know, you're, you're protecting a 4-3 lead this weekend. Who, who are you putting in there right oh, now? Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know that you learned a ton in that series about roles, who handles what. Um, that kind of thing. So, and and it's it's tough with the walks too because it, it does kind of become a mental thing at some point, and, and people roll their eyes at that. But you, you see guys in front of you walking guys, hitting guys. It, it uh, starts to creep in a little bit for that next guy, and 
we'll see if they can turn it around. But I, I was uh, expecting a little bit more depth out of the bullpen than what we saw. And that's, and that's a good San Diego team, but you know, Will Bolt said yesterday he didn't feel like those guys were you know really competitive out of the bullpen, and I, I guess that's uh, a little bit surprising given you know the, the veterans that they had in some of those roles. Because I, I thought actually the young guys, you know, Worthley from from uh, Lincoln East, probably the best among them, actually threw okay out of the bullpen. Mm. Michael Bruns, appreciate your time. Thanks so much. We'll talk again soon. You're the man, Bruns. Thanks, guys. Take care. Senior writer for Husker 24-7, Michael Bruns there. Let's go back to a previous conversation that we keep kind of touching on since 8.30, and that's involving the Brandon Miller situation. And uh, we have a caller online, too, now, out of breath, Brian here, to uh, reference some of the YouTube comments that we made uh, at the back end before we got to Bruns. What's up, Brian? Hey, what's going on, Andrew? What's going on, Daniel? B, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much. Just defensive to your show. Liking it today. <laughs> I appreciate Get a little insight that. on the coaching and stuff. But uh, let's see uh, the question you asked off of that uh, Jeremiah Young's comment. Yeah. In the right. YouTube chat. I am not for those type of statements because it kind of reminds me of the Minority Report movie. And I don't like corporations university institutions really overstepping uh, being court of morals in this world because sometimes I want I, I think hey who are you to cast a song mm. if, if they've got I'd like you them I did I read the story earlier. I thought he had it was his gun. Yeah, and I he think a lot. Gun. I think a lot of people did. Like we really had to dig, then go back and listen to Burn. I pitted against Oates' comments. I was like, eh, they weren't really in a line Monday and Tuesday at all. That's what they said in the the, the story that I wrote from where I read in the news. They said it was his gun. Right. They named his name. Yeah, there was no if, ands, or maybe. So mm-hmm. then I was I, I had a different idea of my reaction, but. Knowing it's his gun, and the guy said, bring the gun. I know, hey, where I'm from, it ain't my gun. It's his property. And I don't know what type of problem he And if I drop the gun off to him and he do whatever he wants, that's on him. That's on them, in so, my opinion. So, Especially since it's not my gun. should be in my car anyway. Because <laughs> so, so, I get rid of it, the better. You know, I know that sounds kind of cold, but that's how I, I feel about it. Like, if it's not my gun, it's not his gun, I don't really think... There's too much you can't really do about it by the letter of the law. One of the responses, the, one of the responses to Jeremiah was, you know, amazing. Daniel said um, to to Jeremiah, he's like, hey, it was a teammate. He said, so the whole team and coaching staff should have consequences. Are guns illegal in Alabama? And I know he's kind of being rhetorical to prove his point, but it was a it was a registered firearm, and the DA that they asked in Tuscaloosa said, up to this point, there's no correlation or no proof that Miller knew that he was going to use the gun to commit a crime, and they can't prove intent, therefore no charge. Are you are you okay with kind of, well, he didn't know he was what he was going to do with it. He was just giving the man back his gun. No harm, no. Are you a no harm, no foul guy? Hey, I, the way I feel, I agree with that statement. That there's nothing I really have on him. If everything is legal, they registered the gun, right? Did what they were supposed to do with that. From that point, if I give the man his gun, if he's legally uh, have obtained it, 
who am I to really ask him what he going to do with it or concern myself with it in re in, in reality? Yeah, bad because it's his weapon. He got it legally. It, it's just it's well, just it's a case of bad judgment I kind of overall be. because yeah. I mean when you think about it like in the instance of when you're delivering it say you were at a nightclub drinks were shed like you can assume something would happen yeah but we're also assuming that but, too but I don't want to hypothetical but yeah assuming is never what you want to do yeah. you base it off the facts uh, coming up next sports six pack time now for the sports six pack on coffee and cream with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning presented by Zipline Brewing Company makers of dear old Nebraska brew the official beer of Nebraska alumni sports six pack time presented by Zipline Brewing and uh, let me tell you about a few more beers that Zipline has in store I mean I, I remember our conversation about a month and a half ago with Craig Ryer and Jason Sitzman over at Zipline, and they're like, guys, you have to try these these three beers. Like you ha We have to incorporate these in, into your daily routine for drinks. And I'm like, send them over, right? Why not? I'll, 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 I'll try something once, right? Well, I've tried this once, twice, maybe three times. I already know which one you're going to say. The Copper Alt. Oh, oh, that would be the one that team that Oklahoma Tyler would I'm like. telling you, the Copper Alt, this is one of three. Normally we cycle them through, but this week I'm telling you about the Copper Alt because it's Zipline's most awarded beer. Great American Beer Fest and U.S. Open Beer Championship gold medalist. This one is an amber ale. It's got a nice color to it. It's malty. It's balanced. It's good for any occasion. If you're looking just to pick up maybe something new, Something that you're not normally used to, check out the Copper Alt. Let's do the sports six-pack. Shane, kick us off. All right. Let me uh, let me open up this Copper beer okay. here. The Copper Question beer? Question number one. If Shane, this happened, Shane may be on one. If this happened to be a player who wasn't a star, do you think it would be handled differently? We're talking about In Brandon. regards to Brandon Miller, I would assume. Um, I would assume, too. I don't think it would get as much press. If it was, say, somebody that didn't have his caliber, maybe not even a starter. Are, are we talking bench here, like bench players? Um, I, You know what? Let me go back. This question was on StreamYard here. Um, Jeremiah followed it up with, my opinion is if it was a bench player, okay, so indeed, who barely saw the court, they would have been suspended or removed. Okay. Um, which, go ahead. No, I mean... Oh, no, you, you, you were like, I got something. I was just thinking. Oh, okay. My thought here is, if it were a bench player, you could remove him for the team, you know, cut your losses like that, but, you know, with social media nowadays, that player could just take to social media and then something bigger could happen, but do you want that type of press or pressure if you were involved in a situation like this? No, I don't think it would be handled any differently. I think it would be... The, the exact same fight for innocence. Here's the deal. I think I say no that he was a bench player because the burden of proof to take action against a student athlete has to be something tangible because you suffer, you, you risk parents or guardians or loved ones saying, why are you, like, what did he actually do? Right, because you got to figure that the the school and the university is doing their due diligence. I think people are so afraid to be wrong and administer punishment without doing their due diligence. And is it 
is it enough to say, well, he's guilty of bad judgment? Because then you open up Pandora's box to, well, so is drinking at parties, so is such and such and such and such. Do you police all kids the same? And so you have to have a certain strong level of conviction. And then as the head coach, you have to ask yourself, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is it worth the headache whether he was a bench player or not? Because I look at it the other way. You could easily make the argument, you're only doing this because he's not a star player. Then the coach has to answer to that too. So I think the burden of proof is on whether you could actually prove they did something wrong or not. Is judgment enough? I don't think it would. I don't. I don't think it would matter. I don't know. That's a good. That's a. That's a great question. Is what it is. Question number two. Do you pay Lamar Jackson? Yes. Yesterday. Fair enough. Zero question in my mind. I understand why people are asking that question, but you pay the man. This is somebody with... the. We were talking about him changing the way people look at quarterbacks in the draft from years to come. People with legs. Somebody like Michael Vick, round two. That's what we were talking about when he was healthy. And now just because he got injured, just because, you know, when he gets to the playoffs, he didn't have the best the best games. We're talking about not paying a guy. You're really going to let Lamar Jackson go? Do you know what he did for your franchise? Do you know the numbers that he puts up? It's pay the proven commodity. Especially with your new hire. Monken should be able to continue to do wonders. Is he an MVP? Yeah, and was on pace for another one uh, after a 6-1 and one start a year ago before he got hurt. Yeah, he you pay the man. You don't want to go into the draft either and think, all right, I'm now I got to try to recreate somebody. Or just because I don't want to pay one person because I think I can spend elsewhere, that that's going to benefit your team. You're just setting yourself back at that point. He's a franchise player. You pay him. Mm. Question number three. I saw Anthony Richardson as the projected number one pick on a draft board yesterday. Call me crazy. Probably will anyway, but I like it. Do you? So this was involving the Steichen trade-up. So the Colts trading up. He worked with Jalen Hurts. Anthony Richardson has similar skill sets to Jalen Hurts in regards to, oh, I could, I could probably work better with you than I could with Bryce Young because – Richardson had more designed runs at Florida than Bryce Young at Bama, than C.J. Stroud, than Will Levis. Um, so it makes sense for that offense, but do you trade up for Anthony Richardson? I feel like Anthony Richardson's going to be there at four. i tell you what. Gosh. Those odds are going up, though. And there's always that one quarterback, man. And with a little of the shine coming off of Levis lately... But I As feel like Malik Willis had that last year, and then it was still so it was so those it guys wasn't heavy. So that heavy. was smokescreen, right? Because those guys didn't move. We thought there was right. going to be this push, right? And there wasn't. This year will be vastly different, though, because I think people think there are three, maybe four franchise quarterbacks. So somebody's going to make a move. Who's going to be the fast riser? I say it's <laughs> it's definitely Richardson. But, man, one to trade up to get him? I don't see it. 
I I don't see it. I wouldn't do it. That's your boy, though. Question number four. Take any incentives out of the, out of what may come from winning. W Y R. I think I take it that's would you rather make fifty million dollars for three seasons and never win a championship, or ten million dollars for three seasons and win three straight Super Bowls? Uh, for sure the latter. For me. I'll take the money. Give me $150 million. I'll take the 30 I, I and the I don't money. need the three championships as long as I'm not. So the incentives aren't there. So this is basically a, hey, you win three rings in $30 million or you win $150 million. I'll take the money. Yeah, I hope the opportunities from being a winner Mm-hmm. Will parlay itself. Well, that's why. That's why he said, "Take out any incentives that may come yeah, from but winning." Yeah, you're not guaranteeing me anything. I'm operating under the assumption that people want to be around a winner. There's nothing in my contract. Probably I'm just depends, taking the deal. But probably depends. People on your want to spend time with a winner. I I can probably parlay that into something. That's my line of thinking. You don't have to guarantee it. Let me go make it happen. Probably depends upon your position. But you anyway, can come to my party. Nice. I don't. I'm not going to spend a ton of money. And I'm not going to have a ton of money to spend. I do. You know, now believe me, I'm not. Listen, I could, I could use a, I could use some money, but I'm not. I don't need a ton. Oh, I know you don't. Go ahead, Shane. Guys, did you see the DB's Dodgers have the highest OU at 96 over under? Yeah, over under for the at 96 for the upcoming season. How excited does that make you, DB? And would you rather bet the over? I'll take the under, um, but I am excited for the Dodgers. Hey, Part, partly because I just want to see how they stack up to because they they haven't been big players so far, and you know Bogarts is arriving. I think Tatis is going to start in right field. I want to see that implosion. I expect the Giants to be better. Um, we talked about a couple of the other teams in the National League. I think will surprise like the Cubs. Um, Did you see the Cardinals? 90 was yeah. their over-under. I think that seemed high. high, didn't it? I think that's high. Yeah. But, but I, their pitching just does not give me enough yet to say, yeah, you can get there. I'm not excited, and I would bet the under. I, I mean, I am excited, but I would bet the under. Last one, Shaner. Question number six. Yesterday, Malachi Coleman ran a 4-2-8-40. If you ran that right now <laughs> in your current health, how fast do you think you'd be? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Uh, I'd be I, about I, a. F- yeah, I'm. Oh, I'm over five. I'm probably a. F- I'm probably. Do you think f- I'm faster than you? No. Oh. I don't know. Did you like how fast I, I read that, that question? No. Let's go. <laughs> you and <laughs> not, me. Not a chance. <laughs> I'm probably a five. I'm one. racing DB. I'm five faster one. than you. Come on. No. By the time you get out of your state, I just just simple explosion off the start. You may run me down, but it won't be before forty yards. We'll have to take a I video d- and any, find out. any day you want. Any to. day. Jordan McAlpine next. Clear. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back. As we wind this thing down on Thursday, let's transition to hockey. We haven't gotten into much hockey talk as of late, but we should because 
a local team in town will be hosting a playoff series, and that is coming um, second weekend of March, I believe. I'll have to double-check my notes there. My notes. I'm pretty sure yeah, that's well, no, what it is. And, you know, somebody that can correct me is our next guest, Jordan McAlpine. He is a prospect writer for The Rink Live. Jordan, what's up, man? Good. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. And uh, yes, your notes are your notes are correct. It's the uh, second week in March. So See, I can always count on him to yeah. fact check me. <laughs> when it's above our pay grade, ask the experts. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Uh, I'm right there with you. We if we don't know, we know somebody that does. So I was at the hockey game two weekends ago, and I go up to Jordan. I'm like, Jordan, I could have sworn I did the math right, and that Omaha can host if they if they sweep the series. And he goes, Let's crunch the numbers again. <laughs> And we and we <laughs> sounds went like it. my kind of guy. <laughs> and we went through it, and sure yeah. as heck, he was right. Yeah. He was right. I'm, I'm, hey. sh- I'm shocked. Hey Jordan, though. But in, in all honesty, let's let's talk about this team because this this hockey program is in a fantastic place. I mean, uh, what they've been able to accomplish this year with the expectation that was set forth it, is something special, and, and it's really cool to see. But even to cap it all off. I mean, it's not done yet, but to cap off a solid regular season, they're hosting a playoff game for the first time at Baxter. I mean, what have you seen throughout this program, because you've covered them for so long, that has really turned them down this road, opposed to what people thought they would be? Yeah, no, there, there's, uh, there's no doubt that it came by surprise in a lot of ways. And I mean, even you go back to the start of the season, you lose a Taylor Ward, Chase Primo, Brandon Scanlon, all the offense that disappears, that's a big question mark. You look between the pipes, as little Seville and Austin Roden are gone. I mean, one thing to keep in mind coming into this season, Jake Kaharski wasn't even eligible until the first week of practice, essentially. Yeah. That it's been uh, it's been seemingly question mark after question mark and this team has found a way to keep doing it and I'd be uh I'd be the first one to say if you would have told me they'd have home eyes clinched with two weeks left in the regular season I'd uh maybe bat an eye a little bit at it but at the same time it's a it's a group that's just continued to go to work their uh, veterans have stepped up you look at Jack Randall earlier this year Ty Mueller's continued to excel his play and then their freshman class has been really good and Andrew I know you and I have talked about this the uh the depth scoring that they've continued to get, and it seems like every weekend someone else is stepping up, and obviously here we are. I'm going to validate both you guys. I had I was talking to Andrew a couple of weeks ago, Jordan, had got, was fortunate enough to have a lunch with uh, the athletic athletic director at Omaha, and Adrian was telling me that you know he was they were talking contracts this off season with Gabs, and they wanted to get him done soon, and kind of a peace of mind, and build around and get the budget set. And, you know, they were having this conversation about um, wanting to get this done early, get out ahead, and, you know, he knows it could be a very difficult season. He said, Gab stopped him right there in his tracks, and he said, no, 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 we're, we're going to be good. We're going to be better than people think. I like my young guys, and I think we're maturing. What is it that you think he's – and this was in the summer now – what do you think it is that he mm-hmm. saw that we're just now coming around to right now as we're both of you are kind of being validated in terms of what the strengths have been down the stretch? Well, and honestly, I mean, it's been it's a run in the last few years here. You look at it, Omaha's uh, kind of been in that, that bottom half, bottom tier of the NCHC preseason polls. It seems like 
a lot of team or a lot of people want to write the team off coming into the season, and I'll, I'll be the first one to say it, myself included, coming into this season with it that you didn't know what it was going to look like. But with the uh, the character type of guys that Gavinette and his coaching staff have really prided themselves on bringing in the last few years, I think that's showing. You uh, and it, no discredit to the roster, you're not exactly getting the the blue chip prospects of the North Dakota or Minnesota. Boston College, you kind of uh, you got to do it another way to bring these kids in Omaha, and they've uh, they've struck gold on a few of them this year. Number one, but number two, you look at their uh, just up and down the lineup, the uh, the buy-in factor, and the amount of guys that are willing to go to battle and go to work on a nightly basis. I think that's uh, that's the biggest thing. And credit to to Gabs and his coaching staff. That's the uh, the type of people and type of players they've wanted to get here, and it's working. Hey, you know, I don't want to look too far ahead here because, you know, you, you, you take it one series at a, at a time, and that's kind of been uh, this team's mentality too. But, you know, I can ask you this because you have no affiliation to the team. And, and when looking far ahead, talking the goal, making the NCAA tournament, UNO 13th in the pairwise, how do they get there? What do you think is the best path for them to take to get there? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question and one I've been uh, been asked a lot the, the past week or two. But one thing, uh, just uh, to start with looking around the NCHC, some of the uh, the up-and-down teams this year, you, you look at a North Dakota, Duluth, kind of the uh, the parity in the conference, I guess, if you will. I, don't, uh, I feel pretty confident in saying this isn't the year you're going to get five teams from the NCHC like the past couple. That uh, You're probably more so looking in that three to four range. Now, if Mavs can somehow pull off a sweep of St. Cloud and win at least one of the games in uh, Grand Forks next weekend, they're they're sitting pretty in in some ways. Obviously, you're you're not a lock or not comfortable at that point, but heading into the playoffs, you're uh, you're giving yourself a little bit of a boost. And then, obviously, if they can make it up to St. Paul, I, I still think the uh, the easiest and obviously safe bet is to go win that frozen face-off, but at the same time, if they can take care of business the next few weeks here, I, uh, with where they're at right now and considering the uh, the quality of opponents they'll be playing these next couple weeks, it definitely strengthens the resume. Jordan, before we get to the NHL real quick, let me ask you, what do you think's been the biggest difference in solidifying uh, the between-the-pipes play? Because sometimes it's not always about actual goalie playing. You talked about Kaharski, but... Sometimes it's the defense that has to be played in front. Most of the time it's the defense that has to be played in front of them. Mm-hmm. What do you think that evolution has been like on the back half of this season? Yeah, I, I think it's two things. Um, n- number one, I'll, I'll use one word, and that's confidence. You look at, uh, obviously, between the pipes, with it being as much of a mental game as it is, Simon Lacozzi especially, just from the start of the season, fine-tune a couple things after his first couple starts, gets comfortable, and the kid's been on a roll since then, and obviously when you can roll out either one of those kids on a nightly basis and have a, have a trustworthy goalie back there, which they've had uh, most nights this year, that's made a big difference. But also just looking over the course of the season, whether it's Joel and May, Griffin Ludke on that back end, Jacob Gwivin, the, the amount of freshmen that they have, sure, there's a learning curve. I mean, I, I go back to watching a Scanlon or Dean Last Stewart, year. Ryan Jones, some of those guys with, with the Mavs. There's there's that evolution and growth throughout the season that I think guys are just getting more comfortable and also you look at the difference from the first half of the season and now they're playing a a hell of a better a lot better structured game and it's working in their own zone. 
I don't know if I want to get to the NHL with Jordan. He's no, just no, going to no, make fun of my blues. Oh, I would. I mean, <laughs> who, who wouldn't? It's not like I want to. It's not like me as the Pens fan has a lot of room to talk, but it, I, I do like our upside. Hey, Jordan. You know, a, a couple of things here because you know, there's talk about Timo Meyer. There's talk about some pretty doggone good defensemen in Arizona. Uh, a lot of trades. You know, the I, I don't even know what's happening with Jonathan Taze right now. Um, but so it's too expensive. Uh, where's your head at with, with a lot of the movement that could be taking place here in the NHL? Because um, as we talked about yesterday, you even thought Carolina could make a run at Timo. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you sure you don't want to start with Tarasenko? Yeah, well, that, yeah, that, no, that, no, that, no. That's all Carolina needs. They've won, what, four or five <laughs> in a row? Like They just keep winning. That's all they need is an acquisition like that. Yeah, no, to, to me, uh, lo- looking at the Eastern Conference, which has been crazy the past week or so here, I, I think that's the team that's fascinating both from uh, the ability to go make a win but also make a move. And I know Andrew and I talked a little bit, whether it's uh, a Meyer or Patrick Kane, obviously he's been heating up the last last couple games here, but with his uh, his situation, who, who knows what that's going to look like, but that'd be the team to keep an eye on. But um, just trade-wise specifically, the uh, the Tave situation has been an interesting one. I know, like, came out earlier this week and said he won't be on the move this year. So we'll uh, we'll see if he even gets back on the, or how soon he gets back on the ice at this point. I know he wasn't skating for a while, and there's been a kind of a never-ending trail of stuff with him the last few years, which is uh, uh, crazy to think of five six years ago how dominant of a player he was to uh, to now. But welcome to professional sports, I guess. But then. Uh, Timo Meyer, Jacob Chikrin, Eric Carlson out in San Jose. There's a there's a lot of potential guys that could be on the move this year. And Andrew, uh, I, I would say I, I wouldn't be surprised if your Blues end up with one of those guys. Yeah, baby, gonna be an interesting stretch here. How, what's your level of concern, Jordan, for the for the Stars and how they're playing, or should I say, not playing in terms of playing well? <laughs> well, as a Wild fan, I'm loving every second. Of it, but uh, <laughs> I, I will say with. With uh, lo- looking at their roster, looking down the stretch, uh, when you got Jake Ottinger, you can throw out there on a nightly basis. Uh, it, it makes my confidence feel a little bit better, but I don't know. That, that'd be another team that I could see as a uh, real capable a- landing spot for Kane. Yep. If he's willing, willing to move the no, or uh, to waive the no move clause. But Dallas is a team that, uh, them in Winnipeg, obviously, are at the top of the Central Division right now. And if they, uh, if they keep it going, they've got the roster to make a push. But, here again, uh, I, I wouldn't complain if I see him keep uh, keep building up the losses. Well, Robertson, if he can you imagine him having a little bit more help on that top oh, line? Oh man, Rupe's a stud. Oh man, going to be. He's he's I, a stud. I would yeah. like a little more consistency, but that's just me. <laughs> Jordan, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. Hopefully, we talk again soon. Yeah, I'll see you guys this weekend. Hey, thanks, Jordan. That's Jordan McAlpine, prospect writer for The Rink Live, and that's it for today. If you missed any of the show, go check out the podcast at. Hail Varsity Radio, wherever you catch your podcast, Apple, Spotify, we will see you tomorrow.